news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. All right, it is Sandy Hill. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Fantastic. It is uh, a hot one out there today, and I have like a weird sun on my face. Makes me look like I have a face tattoo. <laughs> oh. Sorry. That was like a chihuahua sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me get my hand wipes. Hold on. Bless you. All right. So uh, we're gonna get the latest headlines of the day. I love this. Uh, what's been going on lately? So um, there's actually quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Court news wise, there's a few cases that are uh, piquing everyone's interest. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one is the murder trial of um, a man who they say actually murdered the police say actually murdered his own son has began and um, it's a very, very interesting story. But uh, yesterday, one of the witnesses took the stand who said that um, police, what well, a police officer had actually delivered a threat to her. And that is why she early on in the investigation did not assist the police any further. Really? So, yeah, shocking. Um, Roger Deward Bush is being accused of shooting his son, Shaquille Bush, 24 years old, um, in their family yard back in 2019. Yeah, I do remember when that happened. But okay, so but now they're just trying to. So the trial out. has begun. Yeah, the trial has begun, and we'll keep you guys updated on uh, where wow. things are. Mm-hmm. Pretty shocking. shocking. <clears throat> Monkeypox could potentially be renamed. Um, the World Health Organization is essentially asking for people to, um, for, I guess the medical, I don't know who exactly renames diseases, but uh, the medical professionals, I suppose, to um, consider renaming it to something that is less uh, ethnically offensive. Yeah. I thought it came from monkeys, but I don't know what, I, if it's if it's derogatory, then yeah, absolutely, it should be renamed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think everyone should name things literal like if like if like it was like originated in monkeys that's what i was i think but monkey like gorillas i think has a double connotation oh no i know it does i know that i'm but what i'm saying is i'm using (laughs) yeah i'm talking about the actually yeah i get what i get what's going on here so and also it is it is sound like there it would be nice to have like more of a scientific kind of name for it I guess nobody would probably be able to pronounce it, but hey. And also maybe um, less, maybe make it sound less scary or something, you know? Yeah. Like it sounds uh, like, you know, you're going to turn into a gorilla or something. Pappy Conley. He wrote the iconic song, My K-Man and Girl, and mm-hmm. performed it for many, many years, has passed away. Oh, I see. Everybody will remember that song being performed at all sorts of amazing events over the years. And uh, yeah, he passed away on Monday, June the 13th. So we extend our condolences to his family. He was an entertainer, mm-hmm. uh, came out entertainer for, you know, I think pretty much his entire adult life. <clears throat> Did a lot of music performances with local artists. But I think that that one song, definitely he will be remembered for. My yeah. girl, amazing song, actually. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. So um, in other uh, news, there is a... Um, Hayes Foundation worker who is allegedly uh, in some sort of hot water, some sort of trouble with the JDF in Jamaica. So the story goes that he left without whatever proper permission is needed, aka deserted the army in Jamaica. Mm. His family says that it's a mix up and it's not really desertion. 
but whatever it is, um, seems like it's causing uh, some some waves for him. So hopefully he gets that sorted out because he is working in the Cayman Islands for the Cayman Islands government. Oh no, well, yeah, have to look into that. Maybe he just wanted to go and get a different job. Uh, but yeah. it's not that easy when you like leave an army, I get that. Yeah, you, you kind of have to do yeah. it the right way. Yeah. Um, the big shave is back. So um, the governor will be shaving. Um, I don't know if he's doing it this year, but I'm, I'm sure he'll participate because he has in the past. But Hannah's Heroes team has, um, you know, sent out a press release basically saying that the big shave is back. So this is the uh, event that they have every single year. But of course, COVID kind of put mm -hmm. a dent in this where um, people, adults and children will shave their heads uh, for fundraising for St. Baldrick's Foundation. Yeah. So it's all about children's cancers, bringing awareness and funds for research um, to a really, really worthy cause. So the Cayman Islands has generated over $2.5 million uh, US and resulted in the naming of nine separate research grants at some of the most prestigious institutions around the US, including John Hopkins and Duke University. So it's That's on this year, and I think everybody is looking forward to participating in this amazing event. Yeah, no, that's way cool that that's back. That's always been a great uh, charity uh, and they yep. raise great money for a great cause. So cool, good to hear. Yeah. So, and it is finally the end of an error. Microsoft Explorer is done. Wait, do I use that? <laughs> no. No, I don't. I'm pretty sure you don't. <laughs> Nobody uses it anymore, but back in the day. Listen, I used was, AOL for quite some time. So, yeah, no, we're not. Oh, okay. gosh. The little yeah, E one, yeah. Back in the day, um, you know, Microsoft Explorer was it before we had, like, Google Chrome and Firefox and other options. So after 25 years, Microsoft is saying goodbye to Internet Explorer as of today. Um, users will now need to switch to Microsoft Edge, oh, which is their replacement that has been around for a couple of years. Um, so, never heard of, yeah, not that I'm like the tech genius, but yeah, yeah, okay. it kind of comes preloaded on your computer, but nobody uses it. <laughs> um, so they claim that uh, Edge is faster, more secure, and more modern in terms of your browsing experience. But hey, Internet Explorer now gets to be put to rest. So oh. RIP to Internet Explorer. Ah, okay. Well, I guess that's uh. That's how that it's kind of, it, it makes you feel old when things like that go away, when they were so new when you were younger, you know? I know. I know uh, exactly what you mean. It's like you could deal with dial-up back in the AOL days, but then if a web page now doesn't load fast enough for me, I'm like, I'm done. And it's like, yeah, when, I, when I would yeah. sit through all that, that dial-up process to connect to the internet, it's kind of funny. I love yeah. it. But And just a final, final, totally weird, random story. Did you hear about the station manager, the gas station manager in Northern Carolina, mm -hmm. who got fired after he accidentally sent the price uh, gauge oh. to 69 cents a gallon? Yeah. He, well, he, he wanted No, he said it was a mistake. He said it was uh -huh. an honest mistake that he'd been sending them all day. And this one particular one, he said at 69 because he just forgot to put $6.99. And uh, yeah, so one decimal off and he lost his job. And now he's afraid that the station owners could actually sue him for lost revenue. I, so I get the mistake is a big one, depending on how many people oh filled gosh. up their cars. Yeah, so I feel sorry for him. But anyway, hopefully it'll be all right. Hopefully they won't sue him because it's like, wow. I mean, I yeah. don't know how much money we're talking about here, but it could be a pretty penny because I'm sure it didn't take long for everybody to start texting, come to the gas station right now. 
like yeah, like yeah. But it, it looks like <laughs> it looks like he meant to do it on purpose just because of the numbers. Yeah, no, no, no. It, was, but, it looks like it was totally. Oh, wow. so those are some of your news headlines today. Great. Well, enjoy your show. Heading over Absolutely. to Bobo, and we will catch you tomorrow morning on the Thursday show. Okay, sounds good. All right, see y'all. Have a good one. That is your latest hit. All right, folks. That is Aaron flying solo while Blake is on holiday. Just a couple seconds, and then we're going to be ready to launch here. Ginger, fever grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. morning folks happy wednesday it is officially hump day um so much going on this month i hope you guys had a wonderful evening so good morning to everyone who's tuned into the program good morning to miss vernita good morning to lizette uh kk says sip to shack uh we'll talk a little bit about that as you know um sometimes as a trial is going on we just are a little bit more cautious these days because we don't want to interfere with the trial. This isn't a jury trial per se, so that is less of a concern, but we'll just report what is going on and then uh, we'll await the verdict. So Kathy, good morning to you. Omeria is here. We've not seen you in a minute. How are you? Good morning. Um, okay, okay. I don't know. That's a hot mess. We'll talk about that a little bit. Wee wee, good morning. Uh, KK is saying background checks are a necessity. Especially when you're working around children and you're working for the Cayman's government. I think that would be really, really important. Good morning to Lulu Jackson. Good morning. Miss Beulah's got it locked. Good morning to the beautiful Miss Iva. How is our mango tree doing? Um, I saw Miss Lisa um, Arch. Uh, she's no longer. She hasn't been an Arch forever. But Scott last night. And um, she was saying, what happened to you? You never came for your mangoes. I'm like, honey child, I messaged you. Didn't you get my message? Anyway, we need to get it sorted out, this message. Um, oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, God, I hate getting bad news any time of the day, but especially in the morning. So, mm -mm. oh, Lord, have mercy. Um, thank you, KK. Mm -mm -mm. All right, give me a minute. I'm not going to give you all bad news first thing. Let's talk about something else first. 
I need that to sink in. Oh, my goodness. What a mess. Mm, mm, mm. All right, let me tell you a little bit about my evening, and then I'm going to share some not so good news coming out of the brack. Um, thank you, KK. She says, love the blouse and hair. Raul, so good to see you watching with James. Oh, nice. So um, I told you guys yesterday before I left the program that I was leaving a little bit early to go to um, my daughter's. I thought it was a teacher parent conference and I kind of got my wires crossed. It was actually a I don't even know what they call it, but it's where you go in for like an hour and you, you as a parent actually spend time in the classroom with your kid. That was so much more fun. <laughs> so um, I got there on time because I left early. So big shout out to Kevin. Kevin, thank you for holding down the fort for me. And so we did um, some math work. So when I got there, she was actually watching multiplication, watching, she was doing her multiplications and, you know, the method that they use to teach children in this day and age how to do all these things, I don't remember any of these methodologies being available to us as a kid. Like, we were just memorizing stuff. Like, we were just forced forced to, to memorize stuff. Now the kids do it, uh, depending on where your, your children go. Um, the Montessori method is amazing. But now children do it, and they have tools, you know, teachers who are worth their salt <laughs> have tools available to them that kind of teach children how to do things logically. Because even as I was sitting there helping her with her math exercise, like to me, it was making so much sense how they were using these little, um, they're like little strings of like marble. So say, for example, it's five times seven. You find the one that has five little marbles on it, and then you get seven of those, and then you have to count it to get. But, you know, it was like making so much sense the way that it actually works visually as well. And then I showed her a little trick. I'm like, here's a little trick for you. Whatever the first one is, you don't even have to count that one. Because if it says five times seven, the first one is always going to be five. So start with the second one, and you start with the next number. So you start counting at six. And she was like, hmm. I'm not sure she got it every time, but she kind of went, hmm, she had an aha moment. Because then I'm like, that saves you from counting the first stick all the time. <laughs> you know, obviously, as she gets older, that method, she'll understand that you can then double up. So the first two will be 10 and the next two will be, you know, but she's not there yet. Only five years old. But um, they have some amazing tools to really help children. So we did a little bit of math. We did a reading. Uh, a sentence structure. So she put like words in her sentences. And then we also did, she did a journal entry. So she's left-handed. And um, I guess all kids at that age don't have the neatest handwriting. You know, they just have to learn and they have to practice and that sort of thing. So I, I noticed that her difficulties, like writing a two, like her twos look like a five really. <laughs> so, you know, she's getting there and she's still writing pretty big. Um, but she's getting there and she drew a little picture of her day with mom in the classroom. And I had to think to myself, one of the things that occurred to me is this was a good experience for me. Obviously lets me see, you know, what my daughter's doing in the classroom, but she was so proud to have me there. Like, she's like, oh, I need to get some water. And she wanted to hold my hand, take me to the water cooler to get her water for her. And I don't know, um, if all schools do this, but if they don't, I think this is a wonderful idea. Invite parents in at least once a term to sit down and listen, you've got to find the time to spend with your children in situations like this. 
because um, number one, she, I could tell she's working extra hard to really impress me. And then number two, you get an idea of what the curriculum is like, what the environment is like. And, you know, I think that's good for you as, as a parent to have an idea. And that level of involvement, although it's only once a quarter, it's not like you're there every week, is really important. So even when my daughter went to Tiny Tots, they had a, a segment where you volunteered to come in and read to the babies. This was in the baby room before they could even like really talk properly, you know, they had reading hour and parents um, came in and you could pick a book and you'd read that to all the babies. And they were so interested when parents would show up, you could tell they were like, mm, looking at the parents and like, wow. And of course, you know, your baby was always, even at that age, happy to see you. Leaving might've been a little bit tougher then though, because then they they were like, where are you going? Um, but yes, uh, you know, that was a really, really uh, good morning. So then she's, she said, are you going to pick me up early? Are you going to come back at lunchtime to pick me up? And I said, no, <laughs> why would I pick you up early? You got to stay here for the rest of the day. Uh, and there was a little kid there. Oh my gosh, my heart went out to him. So I guess he's relatively new to the island. I hadn't seen him in the class before. And he doesn't really speak any English. And he speaks like a European language, like Slovakian or something. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but something like that. And so, of course, nobody in the school speaks that. And poor thing. I felt so bad for him. They were really, the, the teachers are so kind and they were giving him stuff. Like, you know, a lot of nonverbal communication. So they would show him how to do like, you know, logical pieces, like put pieces together and whatever. And then they'd kind of motion and have him try it. And I said to the teacher, why not use, and this, this is why I'm not a teacher for kids that age, right? I said, why not use, um, you know, modern technology? I mean, I see it on 90 Day Fiance all the time. These people don't speak any English, but they're falling in love with each other. They don't speak each other's languages, right? So I said, why not use like a translator app on your phone? And she says, you know, that sounds like a good idea in principle. But when we tried it, the problem with a four, five-year-old is he actually thought that we were fluent in his language. And so number one, it's not going to force him to learn English, which is what, unfortunately for him, he's kind of sink or swim. He's going to have to learn English. And um, yeah, it was kind of confusing him because he thought the teachers actually spoke his language. So they, I think they probably tried it for a day and he was, you know, saying all, and they're like, oh, no, 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 You need, you did, <laughs> this isn't going to work. Um, so poor little kid, he was crying a little bit and stuff like that. And you could kind of see, Oh, my heart, as a mom, I just wanted to hug him. But you could kind of see, you know, at times that he was just getting a little bit upset because um, I think he has attached himself to a particular teacher already. But, you know, he can't com communicate with any of the other kids right now, really. Um, you know, they're having conversations and he can't be a part of that. thought it was kind of sad. Uh, I, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I was at an event with someone who is hearing impaired and it was like the same sort of thing where sometimes you don't really think about these things until you're in a situation. But this young lady's sister was there translating for her. And I thought, oh, my God, that's so wonderful because all of us take for granted that we can sit at a table. Even if we're not actively engaged in a conversation, you're listening to it. You get to hear you know, what other people are saying and hear someone who's hearing impaired, especially someone has turned away from them and they can't see their lips or anything like that. They don't have the benefit of being able to um, participate in the conversation, even just from the perspective of listening, right? So I noticed that her sister was really, really kind and that um, 
even throughout, although, you know, we weren't directly speaking to her in a conversation, her sister was translating and telling her what was happening at the table and who was saying what. And, you know, you could kind of see her like chuckling at moments if she found something funny and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, just be thankful, folks, that we are, um, you know, that if you don't have any sort of um, a disability that kind of slows you down in life a little bit, or any obstacles, uh, just be thankful. That's that's my message here this morning. So last night, I then went to, um, that's why my hair kind of still looks a little bit fancy. I went to the book signing that they had at UCCI. It was really quite good. I must say it was a full room, completely full. The, the um, What's the auditorium call there at UCCI? Anyway, they have it named after, I think it's Sir Vassal Johnson Auditorium or something. But it was completely packed and they had guest speakers and uh, some of the ministers were there. So I saw Minister Brian. I saw, um, he's uh, tourism and transport. I saw Minister Saunders. Um, he's obviously finance. Uh, the education minister wasn't there because some of these ministries had actually sponsored the text, as we heard the other day. And then there was MPs um, and parliamentary secretaries, Kathy Wilkes, uh, John John, Dwayne Seymour. And I think that was it, really. The, the governor was there as well. So that was really nice to see a few people come out. No member of the opposition. I'm just giving you facts. Take it how you want to take it. But... That's going to be relevant when I talk a little bit about some of their antics later on. Substance is so important. Everybody can put on a show. <laughs> and a show might impress you if you're fool enough, not fool, fool enough, if you are uninformed enough to fall for it. And they, they're putting on a good show. But when it comes to substance, when it comes to them actually doing certain things, I notice the substance just isn't there. So we'll get into that salty mess a little bit later on this morning. Good morning to Richard. Good morning, Melita. Lulu, Lulu says, I'm listening on the radio, but are you also watching on Facebook? You're doing both? Beautiful Melita is joining us. Uh, Melissa, good morning to you. George, so good to see you. Jasara also has it locked. So yeah, it was a very well-attended event. I got my book signed. I still didn't get everybody to sign it. So I'm going to message Teresa because I feel like Teresa and I need to have a lunch anyway. Um... And I'm going to message her and see if we can't get together and have her sign my book. And we just need to catch up. Like, it's been a minute. I was thinking that yesterday. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's been a minute that I haven't had, like, a proper conversation uh, with Teresa because I just haven't seen her. She's been super busy. You know, she's a mom of, of young adults who are in university and just keeping busy. So um, we have Miss um, Sabrina Turner, who's going to be joining us, MP Turner, this morning. Um, and... Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my God. So we got a couple um, things going on this morning um, already, which is crazy. But, yes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm -mm -mm. Well, I'm here to tell you all news, unfortunately, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, you know. Uh, this morning, we have a fatality coming out of Kim and Brack. A mother of three has been killed in a car accident right by Star Island, which is crazy. That's not a dangerous bend or anything in the road, so I'm not sure what happened. 
the information is trickling in this morning. So as we get more details, I will certainly let you know. But you guys know this already. This is Cayman. So literally, you know, I always know pretty early on if it's a Caymanian. Um, people just tell me it's so-and-so. So sad. Wow. So, of course, uh, we won't be naming her because it's very, very possible that this early on, a lot of people may not yet know. Oh, my God. What? Somebody just sent me her picture. Oh, no. She's pretty young. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. Well, it's going to be a sad day for a lot of people in the back and beyond. I'm sure of that. Um, wow, that's crazy. Okay. Um, all right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a developing story, folks. As we, um, as we get more, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you what, what we can, but we won't be telling you any names at this particular time. But listen, you guys know how this is. I've told you this before. Anytime it's a Caymanian, if I hear a road fatality and I don't hear who it is within half an hour to 45 minutes, you can better believe it's not a Caymanian. This is just how it is. I've learned this over the years, five years now of doing CPR, CMR. And by two or three hours in, if I haven't heard who it is at all, then it's definitely not a Jamaican and it's not a Honduran. Like it's, it's nothing like remotely connected to Cayman. Because even if it's a Jamaican, you know, but normally they're married to Caymanians or work for a Caymanian or, you know, by then you kind of hear a name floating around when you, and, you know, we're just closely linked. We're closely linked to Jamaica, Honduras. And so if you don't hear a name, that normally means that it's someone from much further away, Europe, um, Asia, Africa, or something like that. And this is like, I've proven this every single time. Like people are like, do you know who it is? And I said, well, it's 45 minutes later. And uh, we haven't heard. So what I can tell you with confidence is it isn't a Caymanian or whatever. And every single time I'm 100% spot on. We do have a name. So this person is definitely connected uh, or in her early 30s. Okay. All right. Um, so it's on the south side of Star Island. Wow, that's pretty close to the airport. Good morning, uh, Mr. Hero Blair, so good to see you. Um, KK, we'll talk a little bit about that a bit later on in the program. Good morning to Sabrina. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, people, you just need to slow down and stuff. I'm always surprised when the BRAC has a road fatality because I'm just like, <sighs> normally, it's, normally it's a single car, but not all the time. But yeah, I'm just like, it's it's literally one road, you know, not a very big road. And uh, if you're not speeding and you're not drinking and driving, it's just a slow moving situation in the back. So it's so unfortunate though. Mm -mm. So you guys know, um, so in this case, she's actually not a, thank you for clarifying. She's not a Cayman and she's Honduran, but I suspect based on that last name, um, she probably has a spouse that's a Caymanian. 
Mm -hmm. So, oh, there we go. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Oh my God. Yes. All right. Um, so, you know, when these things happen, I have to multitask just a little bit because I'm pretty sure everybody else is sleeping. I know Kevin isn't and Renee isn't and Misha's probably up with the baby, but a lot of times um, I'm the one. Oh, my God. I'm the one who is uh, trying to get this out and up. Um, so sad. Mm-mm-mm. All right, so uh, so far we know um, who the person is. We know she's got three kids. She's in her early 30s. Wow, the picture of the vehicle looks like she ran into a one of those stone walls, honey. And whoa, those stone walls don't move too easily, so you already know. Wow. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, child, we even got the first name, the middle name, everything. All right. Um, yeah, so she is, yeah, she's married to Kimanian. Wow. So crazy. Um, yes, folks, so someone said, what did I miss? So someone, um, unfortunately, has uh, has passed away. Road fatality and Cayman Brack. You know, when people, um, I mean, any fatality is devastating for family, but when someone has kids that they're leaving behind, given her age, only 31 years old, the children are probably uh, relatively young. And uh, this is just absolutely devastating, to be honest. Um, unbelievable. Good morning. Kachel says, good morning. I'm looking for some assistance finding my purse. Okay. Um, probably the best thing to do is just send us a photo. I'm going to talk about lost and found this morning as well, because we have a bit of an update for you guys on a story. Um, young audacity says Cayman Brack fatality. How on earth can that be? I know they've had a few over the years that have really shocked and surprised me and I think everybody else, because you're like, how, how can you have an accent in the back? There's hardly any cars on the road, but it's just a combination normally of, um, you know, alcohol or speed. That's, that's 99.99999% of the cases, right? Let's go ahead and have a, a look at uh, the morning news um, while I take a minute to kind of recompose myself here, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger and thank you for joining us. A 32-year-old Jamaican national working and residing in the Cayman Islands has been detained by Jamaican Defense Force. According to sources, Trevon Anthony Ennis deserted his post in Jamaican military and came to the Cayman Islands to seek employment seven years ago. 
In 2015, Ennis left the force without any authorization per protocol. The Jamaican Defense Act makes it a criminal offense punishable by a maximum imprisonment of up to two years under military law. National Roads Authority and planning officials are reminding property residents and business owners to keep sidewalks and roadside verges clear. Obstruction of pedestrian areas by placing private signs within roadway shoulders and sidewalks are hazardous and dangerous. The NRA requests that any such obstruction to pedestrian mobility on a sidewalk be removed by June 17, 2022, and reminds the public that such encroachments violate Section 16 of the Roads Law. To report an encroachment or obtain more information, call the NRA on 946-7780 or email nra at nra.ky. Every September, hundreds of supporters come together in Cricket Square to unite as one voice against childhood cancer at the Hannah's Heroes Big Shave. With just three months until the Big Shave, organizers are encouraging supporters to forego their summer haircuts and sign up to shave their heads and fund further research grants for all types of childhood cancer research. This year's Big Shave will take place on Friday, 30th September at the Wicket in Cricket Square. Members of the community can also support the cause by hosting bake sales, dress down days at work or school, sponsoring a colleague or friend shaving at the Big Shave and by attending the event on 30th September. A Jamaican dancehall artist band in Guyana is slated to entertain and perform in the Cayman Islands in August this year. According to reports, the 21-year-old artist Kevon Douglas, who goes by the name Skang, is known to promote vulgarity and gun violence at public events and on the airwaves. Skang has recently been at the center of controversy after being charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest at the Norman Manley International Airport in Kingston while trying to board a plane to Trinidad and Tobago. He is expected to go before the court on that issue on June 21st. Cayman mourns the death of a great entertainer, a Caymanian icon and singer of the song My Caymanian Girl, Mr. Clifton Pappy Connolly. Mr. Connolly passed away on June 13th. He is remembered as a great entertainer who touched the lives of many. Mr. Connolly is survived by his son, daughter, grandchildren and ex-wife MP Barbara Connolly. Let's hear from Kevin Wattler for updates on Cayman's weather. Hello Cayman, I'm Kevin Wattler and this is your CMI weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 547, variable clouds with thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon. The day heats up to the mid-80s, winds east at 10 to 20 miles per hour, sunset at 704. At nighttime, scattered thunderstorms, winds east at 5 to 10 miles per hour, the temperatures fall to the upper 70s. High tides at 9.36 a.m. and at 11.15 p.m. and low tides at 4.31 a.m. and 4.13 p.m. Looking forward, disturbed weather near the northeast coast of Nicaragua and Honduras has a medium chance of developing. Now, initial forecast suggests that this system should not significantly impact the Cayman area with an increase in winds and rough seas along with thunder showers Thursday through the weekend. 
Now, CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, and we encourage you to support them. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Kevin, for those updates. In regional news, viewer discretion is advised for the following CCTV footage that captured the moment vendors and shoppers were sent scurrying as gunmen attacked persons in the market district of Spanish Town, St. Catherine, on June 14th. Businesses closed their doors and traffic rerouted as members of the security forces maintained a presence in the area. In international news, the World Health Organization says it is working with experts to come up with a new name for monkeypox. It comes after more than 30 scientists wrote last week about the urgent need for a non-discriminatory and non-stigmatizing name for the virus and the disease it causes. Some 1,600 cases of the disease have been recorded globally in recent weeks. While 72 deaths have been reported in countries where monkeypox was already endemic, none have been seen in the newly affected 32 countries, such as the UK. CMR is inviting businesses to sponsor a hurricane special edition with host Kevin Watler. Reach out to CMR's sales team today to find out more and secure your spot to promote your business on CMR platforms. For more in-depth news and headlines, please visit our website, caymanwildroad.com. Tune into The Cold Hard Truth with Sandy Hill, Monday to Friday at 7.30 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube and Radio Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger. Please do not drink and drive and stay safe. All right, folks. Um, thank you so much for um, listening to Misha this morning. She always brings us uh, some wonderful news updates. Now you can watch that. You can actually catch that fresh off the presses every single evening at 9 p.m. It's uploaded on our social media channels and then we replay it in the morning. So a bit of sad news um, this morning. There has been a fatality in Cayman Brack around three o'clock in the morning. A young lady around 31 years old um, lost her life just there on the east uh, side of the um, Star Island restaurant. Looks like it's just a single vehicle accident that, um, you know, her vehicle collided with, with a brick wall. Um, so we do send her thoughts and condolences out to her family this morning. She is a mother of three, so of course her children will no doubt be uh, the most severely impacted by this. So um, this is what we're receiving early on in terms of, um, you know, the, the accident scene. So very, very sad situation. Um, those brick walls, I can tell you are pretty sturdy. So if you hit one of those moving at any speed, it's probably not going to be a good situation. There's another serious accident a couple of days ago down, um, breakers, like before you get to breakers, that person actually walked away miraculously from the accident because given what I heard, it's a miracle. And I was saying to the person uh, who is in the vicinity of it happening, because the tow truck went out yesterday, it happened, I think, the morning or the late night before, overnight. And they said they couldn't believe that the person actually walked away from this. And when they saw them, they were like, wow, you're, you're, you should be on your knees thanking somebody. If you don't believe in something this morning, you better believe in a miracle. 
And um, I know sometimes people get second chances and they still continue to do things that jeopardize their lives on the roadways like speeding and so on. So um, good morning to Scott. Scott, your ears must have been ringing last night. That's a Caymanian saying. That means that uh, when people are talking about you, your ears should be ringing. Um, I had a lawyer say it to me yesterday when I went to court. She's like, girl, were your ears ringing um, all morning? And I was like, no. <laughs> My ears would probably be, be ringing all the time if that was the case. Um, but Scott, when I was at the um, the the book signing event, um, someone said to me, girl, I'm going to kill you because you have me going to Waffle Monkeys. They were like, I was there earlier today getting donuts and sausage rolls. And the girl was like, you're back again. <laughs> and because she had told them the last time, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. And they said, oh, yeah, you're back again. She's like, yep, Sandy's fault. Can't stay away now from the freshly made sausage rolls and donuts that they make every single day. She's like, oh, my God, they're so amazing. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, KK says, fishy act. Uh, what is? Oh, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Good morning to Debbie. Perla's here. Um, says, you look different and stunning. It's just the hair. And believe it or not, it's already a little bit flat. Girl, last night I had to bring my A-game. So, you know, I put on my cute little dress with my little pearls. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, my God, you look so amazing. I'm like, it's the pearls. <laughs> it's the blue and then the pearls and the little hair. Oh, by the way, big shout out to Capelli and uh, Rocio. Rocio, always be hooking me up with my little hairstyle. I hadn't done anything in a while. Um, even the guest speaker is like, oh, you look so different than you did this morning. I was like, yeah, this morning is like the rough cut. <laughs> That's when you roll out of bed, jump in the shower real quick and just pull your hair back. Um, so yes, hair makes a world of difference, apparently. So thank you so much, Perla. Good morning to um, Daisy. So um, thank you. Oh, Susan's here. She says you looked very nice last night. Oh, thank you, Susan. I still had to wear my little granny shoes, child, because y'all know me and heels not friends anymore. Mm -mm -mm. I go into my shoe situation. I'm like, mm, what shoes should I wear? And I thought, oh God, I've already been on my feet all day today. So I'm going to wear as flat a shoe as possible. I can't wear flat, flat because of my Achilles problem, but anything more than, than a couple, like a little inch, half an inch is going to cause me problems. So I did my best to stay within, within range. So good morning to Everton. Um, says that beautiful mini Cooper poor car crash. Um, you know that um, there was also an accident over the weekend, Caymanian um, gentleman, who actually is one on one of our government boards. I discovered this yesterday. And uh, my sources say that, unfortunately, he is paralyzed as a result of this accident. I mean, this is just, listen, I think, keep begging y'all to please, please, please slow down. Don't drink and drive. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult to get accidents under control in this island, but every day that there's another one, I'm just like, how is this even possible? Anyway, um, unfortunately, it was a um, single vehicular accident in Northside on Saturday. And uh, this, he's a CPA board member. He has a broken back. Listen to this. My God. Broken back, broken neck, punctured lung and paralyzed at least from the waist down. Other sources had told us before that from the chest down. So there's a little bit of discrepancy. Is it from the waist down or from the chest down? But my God, paralyzed is paralyzed. I got to tell you, this is horrible, horrible news. But of course, you know, you still have life, but um, 
Yeah, very, very sad situation. So uh, if you're a Caymanian, you probably already know who that individual is. Janetta, good morning. So listen, on Monday's program, we had a bit of a hot moment in terms of politics. And I do want to pick up the conversation. Um, I kind of want the minister to come on first because y'all know once I get started, um, I, I don't want to get off that, that bandwagon until I'm done. <laughs> so I got a lot to say this morning. I don't want her interrupting my flow. So minister, come on now, eight o'clock, eight four. Tell us all about your Father's Day program that you have planned. But, you know, um, I am just really, politics being what it is, everything that you see and hear, you cannot always um, believe or take at face value. Janetta says, did you hear about the tampon chaos? Yes, child, we'll get to that. Um, yes, big shout out to Capelli. And by the way, um, the boss yesterday was her birthday. Did you guys see me post her a little birthday um, shout out? Uh, let me tell you, I posted it up on, on social media. So yesterday she had uh, celebrated, Lorena celebrated her birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to Lorena. So yes, um, at the end of the day, I do feel like I need to break things down a little bit because I think sometimes people take things at face value and they don't really know the full context of, of like what's going on. And I go to painstaking, I need to grab my notes off the printer. Where did I put my notes? Um, I go to, to, you know, I go to a lot of trouble to do some digging, especially when it comes to politics. And I mean, I really, I'm really like digging, <laughs> you know? And so, um, what I want to say is just because uh, the progressives jump up and put out a video and they say, oh, you know, we we've been asking questions about what's the government doing um, in relation to the cost of living and this and that. And oh, we're glad now that they've responded. Let me be very frank and honest with you. Shall we? Because that's the only way that we know how to do things around here. The progressives knew that for over a month now, the government has been working on this particular solution with. Um, with CUC. They knew that there were things that were coming down the pipeline, but this is where people play politics. And I'm not necessarily saying that I'm blaming them because, hey, if I were a politician, I would be playing politics too. Because you're desperate to get reelected, right? That's where your money bag is. Uh, politicians don't always know how to be honest when they're playing politics. And that that is where I have an issue with the progressives. That's where my thing is. I'm like, listen, your, your, your job as a good opposition is to question the government, is to put them under pressure. But the things that are happening in this country that you should probably be putting them under pressure about, for example, the port and that hot mess over there, you don't see any member of the opposition being concerned about that. Why? Because they just don't care about the real issues, right? Not only that, but that port has been a fiasco because they know it's not necessarily this government's fault, although I'm holding this government responsible for fixing some of the mess. But that port has been a fiasco for years. There's, listen, the next story we're going to drop on them is how these same board members, progressive people that they appointed, took apart, I got the email from the Auditor General's um, office, I've not had a time to dig into the report yet. But there was essentially, I'll give you the short version of it. And then you tell me if I'm crazy here. There was a report that came out that said, listen, this board likes to micromanage and overstep. They don't seem to understand what being a board member means. 
So there's an actual Auditor General report that said that. So I had FOI'd and was waiting on the report before I put out my story and give you all all the details. So, you know, uh, those are appointed members. Um, Kishel, I need you to tell me details like where it was lost, when, and that sort of thing in your email. I, I got the email. Thank you. I got the photo, but I need a little bit more details. That might help people. So, yeah, you know, they put these board members there who are into micromanaging. So the Auditor General released this report saying, you guys don't even know what your role are, what your role is as board members. You're not supposed to be trying to act as HR manager. You should not be fraternizing with the finance guy, the acting finance guy, who, by the way, not for nothing, but this man wants the top job. He's a Jamaican fella that has been here and came out a minute. And based on his movements and his behavior and how he interacts with the board, right now there's even a rumor that because Mr. Christian, Mr. Dale Christian, has left Grand Cayman and returned to the BRAC. So everybody's like, well, who is the acting port director? <sighs> Only Jesus knows. Because clearly Jesus needs to take the whole port and drive off with that mess. But rumors are afoot that the acting port director is actually this guy, what's his name, Hutchinson? Can't remember his first name right now. But I'm thinking to myself, what? And remember, he's actually getting paid more than the acting port director. He has some kind of in with certain board members that makes me uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, because it doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make any money sense. And his movements are that of someone who wants to be running the port. And I, I'm just not comfortable with that for more reasons than one. Now, y'all know there are rumors swirling around. I've heard the rumors about alleged inappropriate relationships with some board members. I don't know if that's true because I'm not between the sheets with them, if that's really what's going on. But what I do know is that the way in which they treat him and the sort of carte blanche that they give him to do whatever the hell he wants, something is wrong. Something is not right. Now, you know, we had told you about this report that they had done where they were trying to dig up in Miss Beth's hiring practices and all sorts of stuff, right? And I'm not going to dig too deep in the port. These are very surface comments right now. But this goes back to my point. This place has been a mess for a minute. Partly because of the board members who've been there for a long time that the progressives put in place. Okay, they've done done nothing about it. They want you, the people, to believe that they're on top of everything in this country and they're holding this government accountable. So they released a video a couple days ago. Oh, we're holding them accountable, blah, blah, blah. Really? Because what you the movement that you just made wasn't about holding anybody accountable. Again, I have this new theme of of low hanging fruit. You're going to pick the easiest thing in the world. Of course, the easiest thing in the world to talk about right now is the um, economy. Everybody in the world is talking about it. Oh, good. The minister's here, just as I'm about to get started, honey, chill. Mm, mm, mm. Good morning, minister. Good morning, Sandra. My humble apologies. Traffic got me, so I have to call in. (laughs) (laughs) No problem, my dear. It catches a lot of people in the mornings. We appreciate uh, we appreciate the call. Now, we know that um, you have an event coming up this weekend, and you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about that event. 
Yes, we're celebrating and showing our appreciation to our fathers. I didn't want to just show appreciation for mothers. I wanted to do the same thing for our fathers. And we understand and we know based on the feedback, we got a huge success for all who attended the Mother's Day event. And it's going to be no different for our fathers. That kicks off, Sandra, on Saturday evening from 6 until approximately 9 in the night. We're looking for um, a night of fun activities. We know uh, fathers like to play dominoes and ludi and just sit down and just have a good time. And uh, that's what is planned for, a, a fun game, but it's, it's also a family event. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's dedicating to our fathers. Wow, beautiful. So um, that sounds like fun. Um, you have a ludi board? I have a ludi board, yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Don't ask me if I know how to play it. <laughs> I know. My husband has been and forcing me to learn. And I confuse everybody around the domino table because I only match, which confuses someone who reads. Oh, I feel you. I completely feel you. Um, but Minister, this is wonderful. I really like how, you know, you are including the community, you're planning community events. So while we have you in the phone, can we just get an update on where you are with the summer? Um, now, we know that some some plywood had been stolen from your office, um, your yeah. MP office, and we never did find the culprits for that, but some... Uh, tell At least us what not yet. Yeah, yeah. Information keeps coming in and, oh. you know, we don't want to be calling but um we definitely got some information we have uh, some ideas but i'm not the investigative people so i mm-hmm. leave it in their capable hands mm-hmm. um but yes it it's it, it, time is coming and i know parents were a bit on the edge what do you do with your kids during the summer and you know the people have elected me to serve and i'm doing my best on, um to to serve them and to make sure that i i meet the needs um, and, it's, and especially what this brings to them during the summer and the cost. So mm-hmm. from the time the idea came with my team and I, what could we do for, for, for summer? Um, it, it, it was a no-brainer in actually just making sure that we provided a camp. This is a first time and this is why first preference is given and will be given to the persons and those children who reside in the Prospect Electoral District for, of course, many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's serving the people who have elected me, even though at the end of the day, you, you serve everyone in the Cayman Islands. But uh, I know that some of my colleagues are, are also doing other events. Uh, that's why I want to give the people of Prospect and the children of Prospect Electoral District that first preference. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So how do people go about um, getting registered? Oh, getting registered, in order for us to do our due diligence, we we prefer for parents to come to the office anytime after 10 in the morning um, to to where your details will be um, collected. We'll get some information about the child or children, and um, we will take it from there. And it's a first come, first serve in that light. Um, this is, like I said, this is our first time, so we don't want to go too big with our numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, because it is, it is a free event. We're asking, you're not asking anything of, of the parents. Um, is why we're cautious. So once we do that drive, remember now this is our first time as well. That we're being inclusive. So we may have children with some special needs. We we have met with inclusion Cayman. And they have, they have given us, they have assisted us even with the details to ask on the form. 
so that you know we show that we show that inclusiveness and that helps us as well to solidify the activities and and the uh, that we will have during the, that entire time mm -hmm. all right Sounds so there's good. there's a little vetting process that goes through all of this because it is our time we're dealing with people's children even all of those persons making sure they have gone through the darkness to light program so we're making sure our i's are dotted and our t's are crossed mm -hmm. All right. Sounds beautiful. Thank you so much. And we appreciate the child safeguarding efforts because as oh, yeah. we know that's very, very important. So again, folks, um, the minister is inviting um, fathers and, you know, I guess family, but this is really for fathers now. So don't be encroaching on their space. Give dad the day <laughs> off. It's going to be this yeah. Saturday, June the 18th at the Prospect yeah. Constituency Office, which is at 33 Marina Drive from 6 until 9 p.m. Uh, games, including dominoes, ludi, prizes, soup, refreshments, and more. You can even yeah. get free um, transportation if needed. Uh, contact yeah. 746-9314 or 929-8080. And uh, let dad have the evening off to go and enjoy yeah. himself. Uh, That's this the idea. Fantastic. Yes. I mean... Sandra, when you look at um, what do you do for your constituents, you have, the, and I know you brought this up the other day on your show, the office is working out very well. We're putting together the, um, the summer program, and I haven't missed an event from the Jubilee straight down to taking care of our mothers, taking care of our fathers now. It's, it's a constant thing. And then right after that, it's back to school. So it never stops with the office, and I'm not one of those who will be selective in my representation. Mm -hmm. No, I take care of everyone at the same level. And it gets a little tricky when it appears as though you're favoring your house and not two houses to mm -hmm. you. So which is why I like to do a lot of stuff on neutral ground that it's a place for everyone. That's mm -hmm. the people's office. We have staff there. Um, and and there are eyes, our ears, and our assistants when we're not there in person. Mm -hmm. No. That could be argued, well, I didn't elect your assistant. Mm -hmm. But in order for me to carry out my constitutional ministerial duties, it is almost impossible for me to take every call, every message, and to be there all the time. Yeah. There's a difference when you're campaigning, and there's a difference when you're representing. There's two differences. And, yeah. and, and I you, think you need, a, you need a team. You can't do it all yourself. Exactly. It is impossible. It is impossible because you're going to fail somewhere. Mm -hmm. But that connectivity with the constituents, um, I never want to lose that. And I feel with events like this, it is in twofold because it gives me the opportunity to engage with the constituents at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then those who want those carved out times, we can arrange to meet at a different time. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's remaining connected with the constituents. And those are the people who allow you to stay there if they feel that they like your representation. And I must say that you obviously attend these events as well. I mean, you're there. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, <laughs> participating yeah. Participating and interacting with people and having a good time. So um, oh, yeah. Debbie says, Minister Turner, you're doing a great job for Prospect. We thank you. Now, please. Thank um, you. Now, please get rid of masks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sylvia. We're, we're, no, Sandra, it's interesting. I will not go in there because we're, we're actually just yesterday I considering the new, new reg. I know. Chad. No, but by the end of this week, by the end of this week, um, we we will have um uh, some announcements to make, and I'm quite sure the premier 
and myself will be on to, to, to let the, the community know the next phase. So it's way in advance because these current regulations expire the end of this month. So we thought being, um, you know, doing it way in advance. So get this, the, the feel and consensus of, of the entire cabinet with the, the guided advice from the CMO, then we will be able to tell the, the country what is next mm-hmm. for Cayman, where public health regulations are concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And uh, Miss um, Wilkes, this is, um, oh, sorry, give me one second here. This is Sylvia Wilkes said, would like to have a conversation regarding CAMP collaboration and partnership minimizes duplication of efforts. So um, I think Sylvia will be in touch to talk to you about what that means. So yes, um, Sylvia, reach out to her. Minister, thank you very, very much. I was just about to get started into um, a bit of a heavy conversation. So your timing was impeccable um, because you know, once I start going down that road, I know (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to pump the brakes. You have me stuck many mornings in the basement. I don't want to stop. I don't want anything. You got to convert to the phone. So I know exactly what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Kim. Also says, good morning, Kim and great job, Minister. So folks, that is MP and Minister. Um, Now let me go through your ministries, health and wellness, and now home affairs. Yes? Correct. Correct. All right, my dear. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. Likewise. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks very much um, again to Minister Turner. Of course, 936-2626 is a telephone number. And any of you can call into the program as well. We're going to be talking about a number of different things here this morning. Chris, was your were your ears um, were your ears uh, um, burning last night? Because we were talking about you. I was having a conversation with Kevin because, you know, Kevin never watches the show. He's just too busy, chill in the mornings, rolling out of bed. And um, he said, don't worry, he's still not missing anything because he's like, Chris is locked in every single morning. So anything really juicy happens, he's going to be like, don't you know what's going on? <laughs> so, um, shall KK, no. Um, so right, so let, let me get back to this topic of smoke screens and um, how you need to be very careful uh, when politicians try to carve out a message, right? So listen, I want to give the progressives credit. Always give um, credit where credit is due. Even the devil must get credit when he's up to his shenanigans because he can sure work hard. And there's certain things that the progressives is really, really committed about, but they're kind of like hit it and run politicians. I don't see them being steadfast and doing some of the things that I would love for them to be doing. These are the same MPs who, where, where's, where are their MP offices again? I think Alden finally just hired um, Austin and somebody else to work in his office. And congratulations to Austin, by the way. I'm glad that he has a job. And I'm glad that it's Alden that's given him a job because it's Alden that helped him lose the last job he had. Remember when poor Austin had to get in line about the whole port situation and flipped and did a 180? That's because Alden convinced him, well, now you're part of this unity government. This is what you have to do. You can't have a singular voice on this issue. You need to get in line with um, what the progressive party is doing. So, you know, that in part cost Austin the election. He also listened to Alden when Alden said, oh, we'll share resources for our quote unquote constituency office, which they were supposed to be opening in the Red Bay area. And it never happened. 
support Austin first time politician listening to Alden, who's been there for 20 something years. Alden got things locked in. Austin didn't understand what was really, really going on. So he's just following Alden like a blind fool. And so, you know, even during the election, oh, we don't need to have any meetings. You don't need to have any meetings. We'll just have a joint meeting with all the progressives in one big stage. The people never like that. The people in your constituency elected you. If you're in prospect, they didn't elect Alden next door. So, you know, they want to hold you accountable. So I think if anybody needed to give him a job, it needed to be Alden. So good. Make Alden use some of that constituency money um, for, for Austin. Austin's a Caymanian and, and a father. And I don't think any Caymanian, even because of politics, should be unemployed in this country. That's that's progressive style. This PAC government, I know some members of PAC government were trying to see how they could help Austin, how they could place him in boards. But, you know, that's a little bit tricky because you might be putting the fox in the hen house. And listen, we already have lips, loose lips everywhere. There's nothing that happens in this country. Nothing. That somebody not talking it. That's why when I ch I chuckle at, you know, poor Mr. France and the governor when something goes down and they're like, oh, this investigation with um, that last Auditor General's report that was leaked to CNS. Oh, we got to find out who leaked it. Really? Good luck. <laughs> you're, 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 you're likely to find that out just like, you. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's just not going to happen because everybody talks. People can't hold water. They can't keep nothing to themselves. Anyway. Smoke screen and mirrors means that the progressives um, did this video where they got up and, and the um, current leader of the opposition, Mr. Roy McTaggart. Well, you know, we've been we've been asking we wanted to ask the government, what are they going to do about the cost of living? And blah, blah, blah. that's because you knew that they were going to be making this announcement. Now, unfortunately, because they had to respond to that and they were in the in Parliament part of last week, they didn't get to have another meeting, which was supposed to be the final meeting with CUC, to finalize all of the details in terms of how this was actually going to be rolled out, the CUC relief program that they're working on. So as a result of that, um, what you heard in the announcement was in the full details of what the, um, what the um, premier actually wanted to say, but he was responding to the opposition. Now, the opposition actually submitted three papers, and I think at least two of them were um, unanimously agreed upon. They were not controversial in any way. But when I read, one is about music and bars and whatever, right? And I thought, yeah, okay, that's great. But you tell me something. When has the little small bar owner, including Alden's favorite bar, South Coast Bar there in Northside, when have they not needed this type of relief? It's great that you're introducing it now, but I do question where have you been for the past eight years when you were actually the government? And you could have reduced, you could have introduced this really, really easily. Now you're like, oh, we're the champion of bars all over the Cayman Islands because we're going to allow for music to be played later on a Sunday. You've been running the country for eight years, my friend. You've had the opportunity to do a lot. And so I'm a bit perplexed. Everybody's concerned about inflation and what is driving it. 
But, you know, we need to remember that what drives inflation is outside the Cayman Islands and outside of our control. You heard me this morning talking about this guy in, where was that, North Carolina, who put the gas gauge wrong. Did y'all hear the price of gas there? $6.99. Now, yes, that's U.S. dollars. But even so, for the first time over the weekend, the average gas in the U.S. went up over $5. That's a record. And there's some states and cities where it's over $7. So yes, we're now paying $7 plus for gas, but that ain't far off from where a lot of other people in the big United States of America who has a very different financial context in terms of their numbers are paying. But you know what gets me about this whole conversation? No one wants to have the conversation with you guys about the fact that as individuals, we need to be also taking some accountability and some responsibility for the financial decisions that we're making. And I I do mean this as seriously as possible. Summer's here, and some of you are now talking about uh, taking trips with your kids. Well, you know the fuel factor impacts everything, right? Including airline tickets. Because that jet whether it's the max eight, the max 50, or the max one, requires fuel to run. It can't, it cannot run, it cannot fly. The turtle actually doesn't fly. The jet is flying and that requires fuel. So I see people talking about, oh, you know, they're trying to plan a trip for six, family of six, because nobody, no one wanted to have the conversation with you about family planning either. And I don't know why you have 50 million children, but I'm just saying. I'm not trying to insult you. But again, these are things in the community. Every single MP should be having parenting classes at their MP offices because we all need it, including myself. Bring it to the district level. They need to be having financial management courses because, again, that's something that we all need. Teenagers. Clearly, y'all sending them to church and forcing them to go to church And that doesn't help very much when it comes in the sexual activity department. So people need to be having sex education courses, safe sex. If you choose to abstain, that's an option. It is the best option, really. But look at the teenage pregnancy. Look at the unwanted babies. Look at children who are getting STDs, young teens, whatever, because they don't have a clue. Because you believe that keeping them ignorant And simply telling them to abstain is going to be the solution to that problem. History has proven that it isn't. Those are the types of courses I would love to see at the MP offices as well. Why can't we have once a quarter, you know, a little teen session where they have a mental health professional come in and talk to them about mental health stresses? Not just related to COVID. These young people stress out about everything. They're on social media. They're stressing each other out. It's like a competition. Who's got the most likes? Who's got the most followers? You know how many of your kids are messaging me about, Miss Sandy, can you give my account a like? Because if I tell my friends Ma Road like me on Instagram, it's like a big deal. I was like, uh, we're not really into that business, <laughs> you know? I say to them, this is, this is legit what I say to your children. Um. Why? Why? What are you doing that's outstanding? Oh, nothing. And I should then follow you because? 
I said, go out there and do something. Tell, tell me something. I'm an A student. I'm an athlete. I, I'm a musician. I'm doing that. Your children be messaging me trying to get social media clout off of CMR. And they're not even doing anything. I'm like, you don't get clout for nothing. What, 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 where, where are you growing up? Who, who tell you this? You get a sticker just for showing up. But that's those are the kids that we're raising in this day and age. So CMR, we have over 23,000 followers. And we only follow 269 people. Sorry. But your kids is probably not going to be one of them. Look, we follow Dr. Sydney. Hi, Dr. Sydney. Um, but this is this is some of what's causing them stress because they're trying to live up to I don't know what kind of ideals. MP offices need to be doing more. And this is across the board. I want y'all to listen very carefully. I don't care if you're progressive, independent, um, PAC, or whoever. The only office that I'm going to say, by my standards, my standards kind of high, admittedly, that I would say I would give an A++ to is Sabrina Turner. Nobody else. Okay? Y'all need to pay attention now because it's not just me saying that. She is doing a phenomenal job at her constituency office level, which is a balancing act because, as she said, she's also a minister. The rest of you, unless you're having these silent victories, so you're doing stuff and nobody don't know anything about it, and in the world of politics, that makes zero sense. You better sing your own praises, honey chill. We don't know nothing about it. Step up to the plate. Start doing more. Some of them give away food. Yes, they have the food food um, banks distribution centers at their office. So every Friday they're doing that. I know Kathy had her bus service. I heard that that was paused. Has that been restarted? What's going on with that? So there's a lot that I want to see more of, including from this PAC government. Having said that, on the balance of everything, knowing what the PAC government is actually doing and the solutions that they're actually working on, and you don't just pull a solution out of thin air and implement it without countless meetings and all this stuff. It takes a lot, all these moving parts. On the other hand, you have the opposition who is doing very little to zilch. Yes. All they can do is jump up. We want to hear what you're going to, what's your solution to the cost of living? They put out a quick video and everybody's like, Ooh, oh my gosh, look at this. The opposition, they got things going on. The opposition doesn't even show up to stuff. Half the time they're not even showing up to parliament. They wait till it's lunchtime, <clears throat> Alden, and show up right before lunch. How many events in the past year and how many sessions of parliament? Don't make me go get the report card now. Has Alden not showed up for or showed up late? Do we keep the time? Do we keep a track of their time? Like what time they actually show up? Probably not. They've all been checked out. That event last night at UCCI, honoring intellectual contributors, honoring Roy Bodden and others, should have been full of MPs. Not a single opposition member was there. Not one. They couldn't even send one to say, oh, we're here representing the opposition. But yet you want to claim that you're so involved and you're so doing this and that and blah, blah, blah. 
One last did an opposition member go out there and clean up in the community or really help anybody? See, this is what I'm talking about when I say smoke screens. Don't be fooled. Appearances are one thing. Substance is a whole other cup of tea. So I'm looking here at one of my um, notes. This is some seven pages of notes. And I know y'all don't want to be believing me, but when I tell you, again, it's a matter of substance over the smoke screens. Never be fooled by smoke screens. Anyone who can jump up and talk to you about, oh, you know, they have, they have solutions, they have ideas, they have this, they have that. They, they have a talk show and they're going to tell you how things should be done in this country. Mm -hmm. Those people do not even read. Yes, I'm going to throw some direct shade at some people here this morning. My cousin and I have this running joke and, you know, poor her. She's like, oh, Sandy, I can't take it. About people who engage in what is called the Duger, the, um, Kruger-Dunning syndrome. I've, I've told you guys about this before, but if you've never heard me mention it before, what this is, is people who think they know the most, right? So they're always the ones jumping up with the biggest voice, the loudest voice. This is what the government should be doing. They know the least in reality. And it's an actual, I don't know if a disorder is the right word to use, but it's an actual thing, and it's been named by the, these two scientists, um, Kruger and Dunning or whatever, and that's how they came up with the name, where they have actually made this observation and they've done this research that demonstrates that the people who know the least are the ones who in their minds think that they know the most. They always have these self-inflated opinions of themselves. And so yesterday, <laughs> I was ironically um, scrolling on my social media and it, it came up in an article again. So I screenshot it. This is it. I screenshot it and I sent it to my cousin. Why incompetent people think they're amazing is the title of this one. And it says, as humans, we frequently overestimate our own abilities, especially if we're bad at them. But why do we do that? It's a phenomenon known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. We sure do. And that's why I chuckle when I see people online who have the audacity to insult the premier and called him, and it's in their words, an effing, uh, what they say, that he's effing idiot. And I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me. How can you say this man who has been a partner in a law firm, has a track record in financial services, has a, a illustrious career compared to you who have done nothing with your life? And I want to be very, very clear here. I am not in the business of currying favor with anybody. I may say things about Alden that I don't like in terms of his personality. Maybe I, I, it's my opinion. He's a narcissist and this sort of thing. But there are things that I would never say about the man. So I wouldn't say that he's stupid or he's ignorant. I wouldn't call him an effing idiot because he isn't. Alden's actually a really smart guy. 
Now, he may not have, in my opinion, all the necessary people skills that one would need for in a leadership position until he's had a few drinks and then his personality changes a little bit and he becomes a decent you know, communicator and that sort of thing. But the people who say these things, right, when I look at them, I think, huh, no business acumen, no business experience. The little that you have is pretty much a failure. Uh, people commenting on social media about your business and you can't even get them a simple, they sign up something online and you can't even deliver it. I'm just like, but you're wanting to insult a leader of this country and call him an idiot? Are you kidding me? But this is when people think too much of themselves. And I feel like, unfortunately, one of the things with social media is we've given people the opportunity for everybody to have a platform, including me. But some people, it legit goes to their head and they think having a platform makes them somebody. CC, you know who I'm talking about. She said it's a shade, but direct for me. Listen, everybody needs to be held to account. Even me. Nobody gets left out of this. So take several seats when you're trying to insult people. You know nothing. Oh, I told you all the price of gas is good, not inflation. You don't even know. Spell inflation. You really want to go hardcore? You probably can't even spell it. You probably got to be looking it up. You probably have to say, Siri, remind me how to spell inflation. Alexa, are you there? Actually. Hear her talking about, yeah, she's here. So, you know, um, this is some information that I've received on the cost of living. Look, look, look at this. Look at this. Y'all want to go deep into the cost of living, the background, the cost of living, the cost of essential goods and services necessary, necessary to live a basic standard of life, typically include things like housing, mortgage, rent, electricity, water, food, so on. The cost of living does not refer to discretionary lifestyle or luxury spending. A lot of y'all missed that part of the memo. Y'all wasn't in class that day. So when I hear you talk about you want salmon and you want steak and you can't get that, so you upset about the cost of living, I want to slap you upside your head, honey child. I'm like salmon and steak. You know, there are people in this world who would never see those kind of luxury items in their lifetime. But as Caymanians, we take for granted so much. We have been very fortunate. We have lived a life that many have not ever had the opportunity to live. So not only do you drive a car, but if you're not driving a Benz or a BMW, you're like, oh, I'm poor. Honey, child, please. If you can afford a Honda Fit, you are in a better position than most people in this world. You get access to fresh water. Do you know how many millions of people in the world that is a commodity, that is something that for them is a luxury? And we take it for granted. Y'all be wasting water, watering every single plant under the sun. You got swimming pools that wasting water. It's only when you get that $10,000 water bill from Water Authority that you're like, oops, I have a leak. Y'all leave light switches on. You don't live in a country where the power is constantly rolling out every day for four or five hours a day. I work with vendors all over the world. And I'm sending them stuff and they're like, oh, miss, 
I couldn't do that today because we didn't have any power for a couple hours. I don't get upset. I become appreciative of how much we take for granted here. Now, I know y'all love to cuss you see. But I got to tell y'all something. For what you pay and what you get, y'all be to be thankful for CUC. Now, listen, I've cussed them before too, because when I get that bill, but when I look at my usage and the fuel factor, CUC, not a problem. And this is something, there are things that you can do to reduce your CUC bill. Y'all don't want to do it. Oh, Magdalene, I'm queuing up that speech here from the prime minister. Don't worry, that coming. Barbados, let me make sure I got it. Hold on. I did download it. I'm going to find it. So, you know, we are living, folks, in a country of people who are extremely ungrateful. You're also ungrateful on the political front, I must tell you. So even when you're all of a sudden getting free meals, which you never got before. And let me just see if I can... um. I'm going to pull up that Mia Motley speech here because this woman is amazing. She has a lot to say and I like her. Can't wait for when she comes to Cayman. But, you know, your politicians, they are working. I'm not telling you that some of them are not working. But even when they're working, y'all are still complaining. Even when they finally come up with a little bit of solution that has... Uh, It's going to give back the people. Oh, no, this is not going to work. Now, listen to me. I'm not really trying to go after any one individual, but I do see your comments on social media where people sit back and they think, oh, yes, this person has a solution. This person knows what they're talking about. And I have to tell you that once again, I do shake my head. Let me give you an example. Mr. Joey Ebanks. I don't recall ever seeing Joey. Now, I don't know where he'd been after he got out of jail, because it's been a couple of years now. I think he's been out of jail, right? So all of a sudden, I see Joey um, commenting on this post about the CUC relief. I've never seen, and it doesn't mean that he hasn't commented, because like I tell you all, I'm very, very busy. So I'm not going to say that I see every single post. But, you know, I get the little notifications and I can't ever recall seeing Joey's name ever come up on a discussion before. All the things that we, and you know, Joey has, listen, Joey has run for public office. Um, he's never been elected, right? No, I don't think so. So he's run for public office. He worked for <laughs> utilities. He headed up the utilities office. And so I see him making comments. And the first question I have is, okay, Joey, welcome to the conversation. So good to have you back. Where have you been? First of all, no other topic has ever caught your interest that you wanted to comment on it. And now that you're back, I'm just trying to find his comment because the first thing you say, the first observation you have to make is that, oh, this is a horrible idea. This isn't going to work. That gets me to thinking, Joey? Huh. But wait a minute. Y'all know my little salty brain. 
-hmm. To be quite frank, it is on a good day, throwing shade left, right, and center. Y'all don't know how much I have to hold back that be in my head that I'd be thinking. I'd be like, oh, Sandy, keep that to yourself, child. Mm, mm, mm. But honestly, the first thing that came to my mind is Joey Ebanks. I had to click good. I'm trying to find the comment now so I can read it for you guys. I had to click and really have a look and, and make sure that I was seeing right. That it was the right Joey, because there's more than one Joey Ebanks in Cayman. So I was like, this is Joey Ebanks that actually was in charge of the utility section. What did he do while he was there? Oh, need I remind you what he did? And this again goes to my point of people who are friggin' failures. Now having all the solutions and telling the government that what they are doing is ridiculous. Okay, and it's not going to work. What makes you an expert? Because when you were in the job, you couldn't even get it right yourself. I'm just saying. You were busy hitting the crack pipe or snorting cocaine. I don't know how that how it was happening. These are not accusations. This is proven. Didn't he plead guilty? Anyway, he went to jail for it. Yes, I'm all about redemption. But I am also all about some truth telling. So here you are in the utilities office and your responsibility was to help the people of the Cayman Islands when it came to utilities. And what did you do? You stole from the friggin' utilities office. You stole from government. You stole money in order to support a drug habit. So when you were supposed to be coming up with solutions that could have put us in better stead now under the progressive government, you weren't doing that. So why should I now be listening to your rhetoric about the government doesn't know what they're doing when it comes to a CUC relief effort? Who died and made you God? I don't care if you're a preacher now or not. Not on my business. Preach it. I'm preaching here today. He says, this is a really bad idea. It is far easier, more eff efficient, and more equitable to all of the government to suspend a percentage of the fuel tax on CUC fuel for four months, every customer benefits, suspend 20 to 30%. Well, Joey, once again, you were in a position back in the day to friggin' do something and you did jack shit. What you did was making $12,000 a month, still stole, I forgot how much money from, from government, going and buying iPads and all kinds of foolishness to pawn them at the pawn shop to support your drug habit. So forgive me if salty Sandy Hill is now looking at you going, brother, please, you must be crazy. You have a solution. You have expert information. You have expert knowledge. Why didn't we see you doing anything in that office that actually benefited the people of this country? I'm just saying. Y'all want the truth or not? And when this government sits down, I'm going to bring it up again, and they are tirelessly working on solutions that are intended to help the people. There's no quick fixes to this, folks. You naysayers and cavemen and women, 
Caymanians against virtually everything. This is a bad idea. Well, it was a bad idea for you to steal from the Cayman Islands government, the people of the Cayman Islands. By the way, have we ever recovered that money? I'm just wondering. Oh, Lord, y'all get me in trouble this morning. I'm just saying. We, talk, we want to talk about fiscal responsibility. How much money did you end up stealing again? How many thousands of dollars? Did you ever pay that back? Maybe that's some money that could have gone to at least educating one child. Former director of the Cayman Turtle Farm and the Electricity Regulatory Authority. He was in charge of the Electricity Regulatory Authority and then convicted of fraud for stealing tens of thousands of dollars from the people of the Cayman Islands. Jonathan says that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea, but if he has the idea and he has the solutions, why didn't he ever do anything about it? I'm just saying, everybody has an idea is a problem, Jonathan. And just because you got an idea and you got lips to flap and the mouth to say it with, doesn't mean that it's a good idea. I'm gonna tell you why it's not a good idea here in a second. But this is a, okay, we wanna say this is a participatory democracy, I'm all for that. Where has he been, Jonathan? Even after he's gotten out of jail, he's been out of jail a minute. Bring your expertise to the table. You wanna help the, the country because you, you know, ran the electricity commission or whatever the heck it was, regulatory authority. And you have such expert knowledge. Stole over $140,000 from this same electricity regulatory authority. Progressives member, we ran with them in 2013. I'm just reminding you guys of some relevant facts here. You have solutions because you're an expert on the electricity regulatory area. Didn't do anything when you were in the job, I'm just saying, but you're an expert, all right. The truth of the matter is, and I said this on Monday's program, this concept that uh, removing the stamp duty or even a reduction in the stamp duty is going to somehow be the, the miracle bullet that's going to work is flawed because if you figure out what the stamp duty is and again where's my notepad hold on let me grab my notepad on a bill that is let me give you all the exact number here now by the way i want to show you all something <laughs> I, I use these little notebooks. Child, I have notebooks all over the place. My husband says to me, if you buy another notebook or another planner or another calendar, I'm going to put you in the calendars out back. Because, oh, I love me a good notebook, child. So someone once gave me this notebook from the DART organization. Y'all know I do have friends that work over at DART. They're these little blue notebooks. Look at this. It has DART on it. And they're actually really nice. I like to take them to court. Because the, the lines are not too close together. And when I scribble, scribble, I need a little bit of space, right? Anyway, so then I, I called a certain friend over at the DART organization. I said, honey, child, I need another notebook. Because this one's so in fill up. And I need another one. 
And this is, look, look, I'm always writing. Sometimes my water gets and stuff. But this is, when I appeal that that case, the criminal conviction, th these are some of my notes from my, from my criminal appeal, child. Because what I does is, again, I'm no expert, but I sure know how to listen. And I know how to take some good notes. So I go and I sit down with the experts and they give me advice. And they said, here's, if I were you, this would be the grounds of appeal. And I'm jotting it down, child, making my notes. All right. So uh, two things. Number one, a reduction in the fuel duty impacts everyone. He said that way everybody can benefit. This is true. However, here's the problem with that. Jonathan, you paying attention? Not everyone needs it. Let's break that. Let's, let's process that thought for a minute. We are living in some financially tough times, yes? For the average Caymanian, not everybody is feeling that pinch. There are millionaires in this company, in this country. Seven miles stretch. If you can afford a five, six million dollar condo, why should you be benefiting the same as someone down in Windsor Park who can barely pay a $400 CC bill? That's one reason why that suggestion makes no damn sense. There are things in this world that shouldn't be equally applied. And when the government is looking to give relief to poor people, it should be relief for poor people, not relief for the rich people too. You don't get the concept because in some countries around the world, the richer you are, the more you'll pay in taxes. Consumption tax is based on, well, if you can afford a luxury vehicle, you should be paying more in import duty, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first little nugget of common sense that Brother Joey, can we have an amen up in the house? Praise the Lord. That's the first little nugget to his suggestion where it don't make no sense. I'm no electricity expert. I never ran the ERA. Here's somebody who did run it, ran it right into the freaking ground because after that they had to run and put it under off reg. Making a suggestion that when you really start to pick it apart, how does it make any damn sense? Why would those people be benefiting? I Listen, I'm waiting on all the details of this proposal, and it better have an exclusion, exclusionary, exclusionary, yeah, portion that includes that seven-mile strip. I don't care if they're using 2,000 two kilowatts or not. They should not be included. If you can, and, and this government has thought about this to their credit, that's why they're not saying, oh, let's take the $5 million and apply it across the board. They met with CUC. Listen carefully now. Because while the opposition out there flapping their lips a bunch about saying a bunch of nothing, the government was busy meeting with CUC and they said, listen, we want this to benefit the people who need it the most. That's not everybody in this country. So who does that include? It includes people averaging 2,000 kilowatt hours. This is what CUC said. This is why 
the actual plan now is around that number. And the government also said, can we prioritize people who have had an issue recently paying their bill? Because June, July, July, August, and September are always the highest bills, those three months. And if you had a problem paying May bill or April bill, you would definitely have a problem paying July, August, and September. So the government said, let's have this benefit those individuals. Yes. Not across the board. Oh, a, a duty waiver helps everybody. Let me tell, let me say, let me put it like this. The government has waived duty in diapers, sanitary products. KK, we can get to that whole tampon thing a little bit later on. There's a tampon shortage in the world in case you missed that memo. And all this other stuff, baby formula, baby diapers. There's a whole bunch of stuff must be from over a year ago that the government made duty-free, removed the duty. And guess what? Show me, each and every one of you, where those items have actually gone down in price. Y'all still cussing and, oh, baby, diapers are more expensive now than ever. But the government removed the duty. Because as Joey said, that is the simple answer. That solves everything. Clearly not. It doesn't, now does it? Okay. That's point number one. Uh, uh, uh. So the credit is going to um, assist households making between 100 kilowatt a month or using between 100 kilowatt a month and 2,000 kilowatt per month. Households below the 100 kilowatt per month are typically residential units that are not occupied, and so they are going to also be excluded. CUC has said to government, because, you know, again, the government ministers don't know everything, so they go, they're working on electricity relief program. Who do they go to? The experts. CUC can tell them all kind of, they can pull reports out the wazoo about usage and this and that and blah, blah, blah. So they're the ones who said that the majority of residential customers consume less than 2,000 kilowatts per month. Again, the idea is to help those most in need of the help. All right. So this concept, number two point about, oh, the fuel reduction, uh, the fuel duty is the way to go. Let's look at how much you're actually paying in fuel duty because it's not as much as you think. It's not the fuel duty that's killing you. It's actually the cost of the fuel. Bear with me. Sample bill, 1,560 kilowatts. That bill is $459. Of that, the fuel duty is $20.78. Now, you know, if I'm in that kilowatt, 50 kilowatt thing, uh, 2000 kilowatt, my apologies, range, and government gives me a credit or sees your credit of $20.78, shop, please. Y'all would be cussing all over Facebook. Oh, this government not got a sense. Well, um, 
once again, if we take Joey's suggestion, expert suggestion, because I'm going to consider him somewhat of an expert since he actually ran the Electricity Regulatory Authority, he would know more than you and me how much the fuel actually is on an average bill. So why is he making such a stupid, and yes, I'm going to use stupid in this context. I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm saying the idea is stupid. Why is he suggesting a stupid solution? Joey worked in that job for, I think, a couple years. So he doesn't know the fuel factor hasn't gone up. He doesn't know how much the fuel factor is that it's only going to save somebody paying almost $500, $20. Smoke screens and mirrors. Y'all need to stop being fooled. Not everything that sounds good is good. It only sounds good when you don't know no better. That's why some of us end up marrying the wrong person, child. Because they come to you on bag of foolishness and you're like, oh, that sounds good. Shall mm-hmm. y'all know you watching the Kardashians. And when I hear, um, what's her name? Chloe, not Chloe, what next is the name again? Kim. About her thing with Kate, uh, Pete, whatever the hell his name is. Pete Davis. Oh, he said after four months, I'm going to be, mm, he's going to have me trapped after four months. I said, you poor fool. They say he's a well-endowed man, apparently. Um, Maybe even more so. He might be better in bed than Kanye. I don't really know, but I got her head spinning. I said, Lord Jehovah, girlfriend, you know that relationship not going to work. What do you have in common? He's too young for you. The man not got no children. You have four children. You better find a mature man on age with you who can handle them bag loaded children, their badness. You see, all this smoke screens and mirrors be having us fooled on a personal level, financial level, government level, everything. Jared, why are you looking so handsome today for? Morning, morning, Sandra. Hey, morning, Mar Road. How are you doing? Aye, Miss got on suit and he came on pin. Yes, when I'm away, I always represent. So hear you there. I got the hair, the hair look like it's freshly braided too. Yes, you know, I had to get it done and thing and you know. Okay. Gosh, now, Rob- Ray. It says, not every household in Cayman needs a CUC discount. Thank you. The discount should be based on the household income and not their usage. Well, listen, for them to try to figure out the, the household income, that would require applications and all kind of stuff. Um, Elray, they need relief now, ASAP. So what they're trying to do is trying to find factors that can quickly tell you, kind of like, you know, the average household looking at somebody's credit history because that might then give you some some indication of their income because normally if somebody isn't paying the CUC bill, they're in trouble financially. That's the one bill. You want to keep the lights on, honey child. You don't have to fill up the car and you don't have to travel and go very far. You can even cut back on food and people are not necessarily going to know that you're in financial trouble. But when you see the CUC bill suffering, because that means you will have no electricity, that's normally a good idea of your fiscal position. Not all the time, because some of y'all just don't like to pay your bills. But normally it's a fairly good indication. Right? So that is the typical and average household. And also keeping it at that 2,000 kilowatt um, usage means that you're not looking at people with three, four, five, six thousand plus square foot homes. And if you're going to build a home that size, you better know how you're going to pay for it, including the CUC bill. Mm-hmm. 
So what the government is trying to do is to provide a credit funded by the government partially or fully offsetting the increase in fuel costs. So I want to read this again because this is important, right? The goal, Jared, you listening? Is to provide a credit, that's what the $5 million is going to do, to either partially or fully offset the increase in the cost of the fuel compared to July of 2021. That's how they were able to come up also with what the budget would be. So they're not trying to pay off your CUC bill in its entirety. They're just trying to give you some sort of a relief because of this exorbitant price of fuel now, which is hitting everybody in the world. They're trying to give you a relief in terms of that, which is going to be more and better than any sort of duty relief because the duty has not gone up. Mm-hmm. So your credit is going to be based on consumption. All right. Here's another little fact for you. In the summer, 79% of Cayman's residential accounts, this is where now they came up with the approximately 21,300 accounts consumed between 101 to 2,000 kilowatts. All right. Now, hear it now. Oh, Mr. William, you're back this morning. Stealing from the people while the people suffer. Tell it like it. Tell it like you see it. Well, and it's not like I see it. Those are the facts. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you can afford to steal, I, 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 I don't know if they even found all the money, but at least $140,000 defrauding the government, that could have educated quite a few people. That could have paid quite a few CUC bills for sure. So I have zero tolerance. And I know y'all now saying, ooh, Sandy, not a forgiven person. Here she go again. That's like when I was talking about that man that got put on the, um, on the board after defrauding board members on the housing board. He gets put on another board. And y'all don't like it because you're like, Sandy, we must forgive. The Lord says to be forgiven. And I agree. But the Lord also says you better try and use your common sense. I know that that got to be somewhere in the Bible. Now y'all got to find that verse for me. And one's track record speaks volumes. Yes, people can change. I believe in change, honey child. But I also believe that your record speaks for itself. And at the end of the day, if you're a thief, I'm always going to keep an eye open. You did it once. Hmm. Let's see. Some of the biggest thieves are pastors. Can I tell you all about that? That's a different show. Jesus. Let me get my little. Yeah, yes, Sandy. You know, I wholeheartedly. <laughs> I feel like I need to. Y'all know I don't drink. But if I did drink. Uh-huh. I feel really? like this morning I would need some Hennessy and Coke. I tell you. I, I think, you know, when we look at the report card of the PACT as it. Um, goes over its one year. You know, they offered free lunches. They provide health insurance for people that didn't have any. They provide um, free meals to um, students. They up the scholarship grants. Mm -hmm. the, the PACT is doing good. 
but we don't want them to get too 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 obnoxious yet you know we we, we see that you know the ppm raised a, a, a cheeky remark as how the british people would say and the premier had to had to let them know school is in session and not only that jared but you know what they did and again this is where the people of the country don't know what's going on they actually um in their red bay group they released they, they try to be sly about it because they had mr roy tatum release it now y'all know i'm not in the red bay group i don't live in red bay but y'all know i get some news so they released in their red bay group three of the things that they were bringing to parliament this time three of their papers one was about the bar thing and i forget what the other two were about um at least two of those they knew were actually in the works with the progressives government but sorry the pat government so they pre-released it before the Legislative Assembly, before Parliament, my apologies, is now called Parliament, was in session trying to get some brownie points within the Red Bay group. Uh-huh. Now, again, I chuckle at the childish antics because in that same group, which the, the previous premier, Mr. Alden McLaughlin, is a member of, there'll be times that he will be sitting in the group and people are asking him questions and he does not even have the courtesy to respond to them because he don't care <laughs> if you want the God's truth, but yet he allows in this instance, because it's a one up you in the world of politics, he allows Roy Tatum to leak before parliament these um, two, these three proposed papers. Uh-huh. And then you notice what they did. They're not no fools. I'm going to give them credit. As soon as Parliament was over, the first thing they do is run over to on the record with OC Wednesday morning. Oh, let's go and take a jab at him. Uh-huh. Let's tell the people. But if you're going to tell the people, you must tell the people the full story. Uh-huh. Tell the well, people the truth. Is that too much to ask? It's not too much to ask. And, and what the record would show that when the PACT done I'm all of their to, work to find, um, a day before, and the I'm PPM. trying to find the three, the three things that they did. Who, who's in the Red Bay group? Send that to me real quick. I had because, it. But I, because I had you, it. The, the PPM was not ready to, to speak to their motions the day that the PACT finished all their work. And they had to Listen, the fact that, that they got up, the fact that they asked the question, mm-hmm. as Jasara said, and then they got up and left, shows their disingenuousness. Mm. They don't even care. If you ask a question, are you not genuinely interested in the answer? No. Because you know, you know, certain members weren't there when the um, premier was giving his explanation on what was done. He wasn't. Yeah, they weren't there when the premier was giving it the first day and the day after. So the leader of the opposition asked the question and then all of them got up and left. What a mess. Um, Tracy says there's no longer middle class in Cayman. You're either rich or you're poor. It's all divided. At least after Ivan, we came together to support and rebuild. And we need another hurricane to shake things up. Just saying, are you crazy, Tracy? In this moment, I have to ask you if you're crazy. Because to me, that's a crazy statement. Why do we need... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Tracy, were you drinking this morning, child? Because I need some of that tea. This doesn't make any sense. Yes, all over the world, in fact, the middle class is shrinking and that's a problem. Okay. I wouldn't say it's disappeared. And I could go household to household and came in and show you why most people, certainly depends on how you define a middle class, still fall within that middle class. 
How many of y'all only have one car per household that you're sharing? Stop your lies. Y'all be having three, four cars. When you're poor, you can't afford three and four cars. So we're using this concept of poverty extremely loosely. I'm not getting too deep into that this morning, but we're going to go there one day. Uh, a hurricane. Nobody in their right mind would think that in this moment where we are with inflation, subflation, whatever the heck is coming next at us, a depression, a recession, that a hurricane like Ivan is going to be the solution. You know how devastating Ivan was? The only reason we came out as quickly as we did on the other end, for most people, not everybody, is because Cayman is not a poor country, none at all. You want to see poverty? Y'all go to Haiti, Uh go to Cuba, and go to certain sections of Jamaica. Then we can talk about poverty. Uh Ms. Sue says, some of your comments are true, yes, but the division is becoming worse. But we do not need another hurricane. Like, I haven't, oh, yeah. So El Ray says, my usage is less than 2,000 kilowatts and I don't need a discount. So the relief should be based on the 2,000 kilowatt threshold and household income. Well, it's not going to be based on household income because, again, that would require you to apply and to prove and to, you know what I'm saying? El Ray, nobody ain't got a time for that right now. July is right around the corner. Uh-huh. So there's no time for that level of a process. But like we said, the idea is that CUC knows who has struggled in the past to pay their bills. Is there a way to opt out of it? So, Al Ray, good for you that you're only using 2,000, less than 2,000 kilowatts. We need to talk. That's good. And maybe there, there is a way to opt out of it. Or CUC can see that you always pay your bills on time. You never have, like, doubling up of bills and you're struggling to pay bills and you're begging for um, you know, credit, and they'd say, you know what, El Ray don't need it. He got a good job over at Flow. Uh-huh. Go taking care of him. He can pay his bills. So I think there's more than one eligibility, and the details we'll be getting here shortly. But I do think there's more than one eligibility criteria. Um, having people go through an application process. And to Joey's point, he's like, "What are y'all gonna do? Have people line up?" Now, now this was a this was another ridiculous comment. He's like, "What are you guys gonna do? You're gonna have people line up at government building handing out a check?" And I was like, "Brother, what? I, ho- I hope you're not dealing with that that crack pipe again. You're not that idea sound kind of crackish to me." I'm like, "Who would do that? Nobody's gonna do that. That doesn't even make any sense." So they're gonna make um, CUC be in charge of the deployment. Someone else was talking about the um, the amount of accounts. Let me try and find this comment. I think this was actually Eden. So Eden, hopefully this now will be, will add a little bit of understanding to your point. Because Eden was saying something about um, the number of households, like where are they getting that figure from? So this is what Eden said on social media. He said CIG to target 21,600 households for reliefs. But according to the preliminary stats for the 2021 census linked below, there are 29,502 total households in our beloved Cayman Islands. That means that 70, 73% of households need government aid to meet the cost of living. Um, well, that's not what it means at all. So the conclusion is wrong. What it means is government is willing to assist 
79%, so it's not 73, it's actually 79% of Cayman's residential customers with this relief program, because 79% fall into that, that equation. The other thing is, some people are like, well, um, if it's 79, if it's 21,000 households, but then 29,500, but you're only doing 21, I think we now understand why that is, because the other users fall outside that initial qualifying criteria of being between 101 to 2,000 kilowatts. Does everybody understand that, Jared? Clear as mud or crystal clear? Crystal clear. Crystal right. clear. Want to make sure now we educate the people. Cameron, I see you with your comments. Good morning. Miss Lucille listening to us. She says, Sandy, stop. I'm watching and listening to Yurik. She keeps referring to you. Obviously, she knew my father. <laughs> she says, I do not have um, enough money to pay for your lawsuit. Take it easy. <laughs> oh, child. The one good thing about these lawsuits, right? is the truth is an absolute defense. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. The truth is an absolute defense to defamation. So that last defamation lawsuit, the only reason he got as far as he did is because I didn't respond to it. I thought he was being frivolous and silly, which was my mistake. And I've learned a very good lesson. And everything I said about the man was true. He was terminated. All the stuff I said was true. And then when I started printing the termination letter afterwards, his lawyers couldn't say a word. What are you, you going to do? Sue me for the truth? You can't sue somebody for the truth. So Tracy says, how is paying for an increased relief make sense? Why not void the increase? How do you void an increase? Remember what happened during COVID and they waived the bills and some people are back to work. How was that recuperated? And again, they didn't waive accepting a pay increase to give funds to the people. All these developments getting approved with no input from local communities. So I think you're confusing a couple of things. So let me try and address the first one. You ask, how is paying for an increased relief? How is paying for an increased relief make sense? Why not void it? How can you void an increase? I don't, I don't understand that. So the increase in the fuel, nobody has, CUC can't void that. They have to pay for it. So this is the point. Fuel is a pass-through expense. CUC doesn't mark up fuel. Whatever they pay for it for that billing cycle is what you pay for it. So they can't void it. Like, I don't understand what that means. That's some kind of weird suggestion. Because CUC has to pay for it. What are they going to tell the fuel company not to charge them for it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, that's not how it works. CUC has tanks. They have fuel in them. They have to purchase fuel. You know, their, their fuel cost is whatever they get it at the market, whatever they're paying for it in the market. Now, we've talked about they've been on the program before, and they say sometimes they try to hedge their their they do hedging or whatever. That's a very complex financial situation where they need experts who are trying to say, well, you know, look at all the different factors, what we think few might be, and we try to buy enough, whatever. But their storage capacity is also a problem. They can't store five years worth of fuel on this island. So I don't know how you void an increase. That's not the same thing as what you're saying happened with the bills. What, for example, what the banks did for you during COVID 
is they said, um, we'll give you, I think some of them did up to six months where you don't have to pay your mortgage. But Tracy, let's make sure we understand finances 101. You're going to pay that. <laughs> you know, I said to people, good financial sense. If you didn't have to take it, don't take it. At the time, y'all remember me saying this? If you do not have to take any sort of financial relief from a bank, because if a bank says, okay, we'll, we'll have you not pay your mortgage. I think credit union does this every once in a while. Oh, we'll give you one month off where you don't have to pay your bill. So you can have shopping money in December. Don't be a fool. Don't do it. Because all they're doing is delaying that payment. So if you have a mortgage that's a 20-year mortgage and you do that every single year, uh, um, brother, brother Jared, do the math. So that's like 20 payments, compounded interest that you've just not paid that you eventually got to pay. The bank gets their money. So you took a, um, what was it called? Payment holiday or whatever they were calling it at the time, right? It's not a matter of recouping. You're not going to lose. They add it on later on. You're the one who's actually losing because now you've gone three or six months of not making a single payment. So imagine if you had done that and you were in arrears by that amount. You understand what I'm saying? Financially, how much sense, how little sense that makes? You wouldn't go three or six months without paying your mortgage without understanding that you're going to get in a whole heap of trouble. But because the bank says, all right, we understand the COVID situation. Yes, it helped a lot of people. It helped y'all go out there to buy new cars, TVs, take in staycations. I, listen, a country is in the middle of a pandemic and more staycations were had during that time than ever. And y'all want to talk about your poor? Please shut up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, y'all need to stop the lies. If Aunt Lottie was alive right now, she'd be like, why are these people? She's Sandra. Why are they lying, but they not got no money? I'd be like, Aunt Lottie, I don't know. What are you asking me for? She, oh, God, you know, the good Lord says you mustn't lie about you poor, but you taking a staycation at Moritz, at Kimpton. Oh, oh I'm going to go to Kimpton for my weekend birthday. I've not been to Kimpton yet. <laughs> not that I might not be able to afford it, but I'm trying to pay off my mortgage quick, quick time. Uh, Asande, I had a question regarding off-reg and their ability to cap gas prices because... They, I don't think they have no ability to cap nothing. But what what off-reg does from a financial perspective is they get the details that we're not privy to. Mm -hmm. So they know what the parent company sold a Luna or sold a Casa Casa, whatever the heck their name, sold, you know. Yeah. The fuel companies, they get the details of what the local providers here are actually paying for fuel from mm -hmm. their distribution point. So they know what they're paying for it, and they actually are privy to their markup. So they monitor that. So they're not going to allow them to tag on an exorbitant markup. The, okay, that's, so the, that's financial information that is competitive, so they could never share that because then, mm -hmm. you know, Every, yeah. what um, the next one, Ruba's paying for, whatever. But they watch the margins for the markup and they make the, sure that those margins are reasonable. The, the reason why I bring it up is because I know the Prime Minister of Barbados, uh, the Honorable Mia Motley, capped the gas because, um, quite frankly...
not everybody. We, we can't keep up with this in, in terms of paying this exorbitant thing because every every time you go to the pump. So what are you going to do about the fuel? What you do is you find alternative ways to be less reliant on fuel. I, I, and I think this is where the PACT has been trying to, to push that. Even, even me, I'm trying to find her video now. Even she said, you know, um, we're going to make it easier for people to do certain things like get soul, access to solar. Now, I've already put off right under a little bit of a sunshine the other day, direct light. Because one of the reasons why the solar program is on hold right now is because of off -reg. They can't seem to approve CUC obtaining some battery that's needed. And I don't understand it. So this is where Offreg needs to get their ish together. Philip, good morning. PPM's only plan is to try to remain relevant until the next election at any cost. They're struggling even with that as it keeps backfiring in them. Same old politics as uh, shown in the last meeting of parliament. Ask a question and then walk out while the answer is being read. It was so obvious that they knew the government was coming out with plans and they were hoping to throw them off. And unfortunately, it didn't work as the government saw it coming. Most people except the few remaining supporters, and then it went off from there. My apologies. I mean, listen, the um, progressives now have their show called Let's Talk that's being hosted by Austin. And so every week they're getting on there, you know, spouting their position. The reason they did that is because I agree with Philip. They have been less relevant now than ever before. They're, they're less relevant now. Yeah. So they're understanding the issue. They're understanding people not really paying them too much mind. And the irony is some of the people that they have acting as their mouthpieces, which, which they did have on the payroll, paying to help them get elected. That's why they dropped poor um, Alric during the election, telling him they can't help him anymore because they're now on contract with Barbara. And, um, and listen, don't y'all come for me now because I actually have the WhatsApp messages. How about that? So when we talk about people being on the payroll, don't be talking to me about it because I don't know nothing about it, but I actually have the screenshots where they sent to Alric saying, oh, we can no longer assist you with your campaign because now we are team Barbara and um, David because we are in the progressives camp and they're paying us money. Yep, we got so that PPM, So PPM was supporting two candidates at one time in the hopes that whoever... No, 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 no. They're, they're both MPs. Remember, one is one is on one side of Windsor Park and one is the other side of Windsor Park. Yeah, yeah. So this is David... Uh, White and uh, Barbara Connolly. Barbara. So they're, MP they're MPs that are part of the progressives conglomerate. What I'm saying is some of the people who have um, certain online platforms, right, uh, were paid to support and promote those two candidates. That is a fact. That's not an opinion because I have the screenshots in their own words where they said to Alric, oh, we can no longer campaign for you because now we're working for Barbara and David exclusively. Now, those people continue, follow, follow the line now, this rhetoric, they continue to be on the payroll and they continue to support not just those candidates, but the entire progressive movement with hopes of if the progressive gets back in power, then we can get more of the money back. The problem for the progressives is sometimes you need to be careful who you have in your camp being your voice because those people are not knowledgeable. They don't know what's going on. They're just throwing insults and hurls and whatever, you know, at this government. But they're clueless. They're not able to have a sustainable conversation 
or sustain any position, any argument. They just throw out these little flu flu sayings, you know? Oh yeah, they're an idiot. I told them that the price going up of, of fuel. Jeez, I'm peace. My dead dog could have told you that. And she's not even alive. Like it just, it, it's just, it's, it's very lowbrow. And I'm a little bit surprised that Alden has allowed that to continue, but desperation will make you do things. All right, so let's continue with some facts. Uh, let us also be minded that Cayman Brack and Little Cayman will not be left out. So Brack Power and Light, their residential customers are going to be included in this program. To El Rey's point, CUC nor the government have any mechanism for assessing a household's financial position. It's a bit of a slippery slope because if you say to someone, okay, someone making $3,000 a month or more can't qualify, just because you are making $3,000 a month don't mean that you're not in a worse financial position than somebody who's making $2,000 a month. Because it's not all about the income. It's also about your expenses. So y'all know if you're making $3,000, $4,000, but you got four or five children, that's not no money. <laughs> that is no money when you got a pile of children and you got to be feeding everybody. And you got to be looking about summer camps and this and that and whatever. So it's a very complicated situation to ask someone to prove their financial position. Trust me, I know. Even when I go to the bank as a business owner, they want financial records. I'm like, okay, let me just print out what's in QuickBooks. QuickBooks should tell you, but it doesn't really. Because if I didn't enter into QuickBooks an expense, right? Sometimes the bank comes back and they're like, you need to explain. Like, yeah, we might see a rise in income, but then we need to understand about the expenses. And we need... listen, it's a bit too complicated for the average person. And what you would end up doing with all respect, El Rey, is you would frustrate the average person with an application process that would be the equivalent of them trying to get a bank loan. And the government is not trying to do that. They're just trying to make it easy peasy. Good, Jonathan. I'm glad that somebody listening. He says people still listen to that show. That's good. I'm happy that somebody's listening to that show. I'm not here to listen. There's a lot of people who don't listen to the show, and, and that's perfectly fine. And people have an option, and I think options are good. I'm actually going to show you guys something. Now, I'm not ready for this show yet. I'm hoping that by next week or the week after, we're going to have the show about Median Cayman. But now that Jonathan has mentioned that, let me show you all something. So we have the um, media consumption report from Tower Marketing. Yes? Let me see if I can find it now. Where did I put it? Oh, Lord. Oh, when you save things in computer chat, half time you can't find it. Our marketing. Now, I can't show you the whole report because I'm under a bit of an embargo in terms of that. But I can show you Tower. I can show you a couple slides. Um, tower report. Mm, where the heck did I put this? Hold on now. Uh, and so one of the things that Tower looks at, in fact, are talk shows. Now, these results are from this, this survey is for 2021. 
So when it comes to talk shows in 2021, we were actually included, which is kind of interesting because that was the first year that we were included. And according to people who were surveyed by Tower Marketing, CMR is actually the island's number one talk show. Now, it is interesting, I think, because there was a couple of things that I found interesting about it. Because we weren't even on radio in 2021. We were just a social media show. And they had us going head to head with um, people like Off the Record. Or is it On the Record or Off the Record? Off the Record. Off the Record. Okay. So they had us going head to head with people like that, as well as with, um, you know, Talk Today. And some of these talk shows have been around a really long time. So I'm trying to find, oh, good grief. I'm trying to find the, um, can't find the folder that I put all this stuff in because we're going to use it in an upcoming discussion pretty soon. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, we are quote unquote, according to them, a number one, the number one talk show on island when we were not even in a traditional talk show format in terms of we were not in radio until earlier this year. So I'd be curious to see what the what the one next year uh, shows. Now, what was also interesting is the fact that, and I'm not surprised by this because on social media, I can look at a number of different reports on Facebook and Facebook, not business, but no politics and came out and Facebook don't care. So when Facebook says, Cayman Marrow's Facebook page is Cayman's actually number one visited page on Facebook above any other Facebook um, site for this jurisdiction. Now, that's something you can take to the bank because Facebook don't know nothing about us. Facebook don't care anything about us. They're not in, in this jurisdiction. They could care less. You know, people might want to question um, Tower Marketing, and I don't think that you should because they do a very, very good job with this report. It was very, very thorough. In fact, I was very pleased with it from the sense of I could even see how Tower Marketing has stepped up their game. But, you know, those are, um, that's information that Tower Marketing has provided. But when they said that we, more women listen to us than men, I also knew that to be the fact that I could accept Because I'm going to show you guys this one. This is not the one I'm looking for, but um, I'll find that folder again a bit later on. And we're going to delve into media um, in the Cayman Islands. We hopefully will have that show maybe next week. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to pull this up here. When we, uh, when they said women listen to, I said, yeah, that makes sense. Because the majority of women who follow, majority of people who follow us on Facebook and just in social media in general, are women. Now it's flipping a little bit. I find that it's bouncing out a little bit. And I don't know what accounts for that, but I think they're just more women in Cayman in any event. But you have a choice. The bottom line is you have a choice. Austin has his show. I think the last one had 56 views or something. So at least 56 people watched it. Um. I think he's doing paid promotions. We don't normally promote our online shows at all. You know, you watch it or you don't. On average, we get a couple thousand views 
for each show, depending on the topic, it can be, you know, up to four or 5,000 or more. So, um, Jared, I'm trying to find this. Well, in the meantime, you know, I just want to let the young people know that there is a National Youth Commission. I'm sure um, Sandy knows about it. We're, we're, we're seeking young people to be, well, not me, the government is seeking young people to serve on this commission, like people from the business, at mm -hmm. least three representatives aged, I believe, 18 to 25. I may stand corrected on that. Um, submit an application. Remember, we were, I wouldn't say cussing the Minister of Tourism about not having young people, but we were highlighting to the Minister of Tourism that you know we don't see young people on board. Uh, the Premier has brought, I don't know who brought this commission on, but obviously uh, the PACT is taking keen attention to having more youthful voices, experienced yes. youthful voices, I should say, on, so, on a commission. All right, folks. So young people, do your part. So Tracy says, I'm not saying something like I even meant something to shake something. We don't need nothing shaken up anymore. We had Trust an earthquake. Inflation doing enough shaking. We don't need nothing we, else. We need, yeah, that earthquake. Janetta says, I need some much. iced coffee to cool down. Good morning, Scott. Says, how can we get some police or sign men to the road, um, the end of the airport runway? Some donkeys and an excavator and dump truck are digging out the swamp what? and pulling, pulling it into the busy roadway with no mine for anyone. Oh, end of the airport runway. All right, I'm going to look into that. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, Brandon says Sandy needs some good cold Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, honey, chill. It's a good thing I don't drink. That's all I can tell you. Um, yeah, so Kim and Brackenita will get relief as well. I'm happy to say that. All right, 20 minutes left in the program. I'm going to change gears completely in y'all. Because I want to talk about this dishonesty situation with this man and those stolen wallet, right? Uh, yes, thanks, Magdalene. Start paying your pensions come July 1st. That's not that's not a, a long-term solution. And you're putting yourself, just like when you took that waiver for the mortgages, you're putting yourself in a worse predicament. Okay. Um... And Soka says, that's right, Sandra. And that's why I don't own a credit card. Got to pay it one day. And you got to pay it. And you're going to be paying it with interest. Uh, no, Tracy, I love you. But um, like anybody else, when you throw out an idea, you know, we're going to analyze it a little bit deeper. So um, don't take offense when I attack the idea. I'm not attacking you as a person. I'm just um, criti critically analyzing. Let me not even use the word attack. We are critically analyzing the idea that you have put forward as pure foolishness. Or as somebody said, you're an Ivan Kaka. All right. Elizabeth says, Tracy, just hush, don't you? <laughs> Dare you in La La Land world because you don't see all the world is shaken by this pandemic war and Lord knows what else. Yeah, don't don't wish any don't wish any craziness on us. No, we don't need no shaking up, child. Um Shan says to receive electrical assistance, the customer should agree to having their appliances inspected and aim to upgrade electrical draining units. Ooh, Shan, I'm not saying that that's not a good idea, but again, you're now putting, you can have it inspected, but poor people not got no money already. Uh, what would you want of them? 
I mean, everybody should be trying to run efficient appliances, but if you can't afford it, and this is true, and this is where individuals, when y'all go in and talk about you can get a new bank loan for a new car, maybe you could look at upgrading your appliances, which would make them more efficient. So Shan, I love where you're going with it, but I think making it mandatory for people to have to upgrade um, their appliances, you might find that, you know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. So let's talk about dishonest people. I posted something yesterday, and I think it confused a bunch of you a little bit, about this wallet that was found. Huh? So let me refresh your memories in terms of what this is. A man lost a wallet by McRust over the weekend, yes? And some dishonest person drove in to McRust, saw the wallet in the parking lot because it had like fallen out of the car. And then they proceeded to pick up the wallet and drive right out of the parking lot. Child, they did, they did not even go in the store. Now, I can't think of a more dishonest thing to do. Listen, I have found phones. Somebody just leave a phone. And the first thing I do is pick it up and say, hey, who just walked away from this phone? We got a phone here. Whose phone is this? When you do something like grab a wallet and take off high speed at the parking lot, what are your intentions? Where were you hightailing it to? You were going where? To the police station? He wasn't going to no police station. The man was stealing the wallet with the $600 cash in it. So, um... Now, RCIPS, I'm not pleased with you this morning. Y'all need Jesus and a couple good workers. Because he went to the police, reported his stolen wallet, took the video that McRust provided, and the police looked at it. You could see the license plate number. Uh-huh. And what does the police do? Oh, okay. Let's look up who owns this car. So they look up the registration information. Then they turn around. They can't reach the person. Oh, no, we can't, we can't help you. That's all we can do. Look up the registration number and try two phone numbers. Oh, gosh. Um, sorry, but they're not answering the phone. So there's nothing further that we can do. It was like, what? What do you mean? Slackness. The guy was like, you mean you can't go to his house? You can't, I, I don't understand what you mean. You can't, what? No, 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 we can't find him. That's all we can do. Uh, you know, um, people in the field have told me that we have lost a lot of really good police officers. And the caliber of now what they have in there leaves a lot to be desired. So this Honda Accord drives in. I think you guys have seen the footage. And they pick the person picks up the wallet, promptly reverses and drives out. Now, yesterday when I posted up that, you know, honesty is the best policy and the money has been recovered, you some of you misinterpreted what I was saying. And you thought I was saying that, oh, this was a good person who decided to hand in the money. No, they're a thief. And they only handed in the money after CMR posted the video that would have gotten probably 25, 
30,000 views. So what the police couldn't do, CMR did. And what you guys also don't know is the owner of the wallet also heard, oh yeah, that um, this is somebody, we all knew it, who worked in construction based on that construction shirt. And he was able to track down a person who owned the car and then they clean well. It wasn't me, it was a friend and it was this and it was that. But I, I, I can get you your wallet back with the money. I'll, I'll return the money. I, I, I didn't take it, but I'll make sure you get your money back. Really? Thieves, liars. So let's not confuse an honest person because what an honest person would have done is an honest person would have immediately taken the wallet inside the store and said, hello, McRoss, I just found this wallet. It's not mine. Help me find the owner or, you know, I'm going to take it to the police station. Let anybody knows who comes looking for it. Here's the video. That I have their wallet. An honest person doesn't do this. Look, he pulls in, saw the wallet, reaches over from the other side of the car. It wasn't even on his driver's side. Pick up the wallet, closes the passenger door. Look like he took a few seconds to look in the wallet, saw the cash, CI, $600. Flips the car in reverse. And hightails out of there. That is not the definition of a good Samaritan or an honest person. None at all. That is what you call a thief. And see the license plate number there? 136405. Look, backing up. Gone about his business. He was coming into that parking lot to shop at McGrath, obviously. So the police claim nothing they can do. This post reached over 21,000 people. I'm sure the thief is one of the 29,000 people. So when they saw that and this guy called and said, um, I hear this might be your car. Oh yeah, it wasn't me driving it. Really? Well, it ended well. But I really want to encourage people to stop stealing, stop doing the wrong things. Look at this. The money returned. They already had taken the money. You know. They had to put the money back. And there's the guy's wallet. The police should still be looking to charge this person with theft. There's another situation. We're going to put this story up a little bit later on this morning. Apparently, there are mechanics in the Cayman Islands who are going around stealing vehicles from people. Mechanics, you know? I'm... My belief is the only reason why a mechanic would want to steal your vehicle is to strip it down for parts. <laughs> Alexa said, sorry, I don't know that. But I wasn't asking you, Alexa. I'm telling you. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> She's like, thanks for telling me. They're stealing it for parts. Yes, Jasara. She says if CMR never posted it, they would have never returned it. You're either honest or you're a thief. I mean, let's just be honest here. So there's a story about this woman who sees her car driving out of her complex. The husband gets up, 
chases down the car and there's a whole ruse apparently when the police are called they come and take down the name that listener keystone cops what's your name my name is mickey mouse and they wrote it down mickey mouse the second what's your name my name is amanda smith amanda smith didn't ask him for no id to verify that those were the names nothing the woman calls the police you know this man is in my car right now. He just drove out. Then he makes up some story about, oh, some Indian guy told me I could take the car. And, and yeah, that's why you had to break in it and jiggy, jiggy rig it and whatever to start it. Like the Indian guy didn't hand you a key or any paperwork for it. So how does this work? And you know what the police have said? Now, you know, the police got some slackness going on. Oh, well, now you have your car back, so it's not theft. There's nothing that we can do about it. Mm-mm-mm. I am just like, what? So the average police officer doesn't know the definition of theft. Somebody's driving out with your car without your permission. But thankfully, you saw them and you're able to get it back. And then the police are going to tell you, well, we can't do anything further because that's not a theft. And in that same complex, just a couple of weeks ago, another car was stolen because these mechanics are running a scam where they're going around stealing people's vehicles and they are targeting certain vehicles that are very, very easy for them to take. And they're going to strip down your vehicle for parts and you are none the wiser. And the police have the capacity. Well, maybe not because they didn't really check the IDs. So these guys could have given them any name to have potentially stop what looks like a criminal ring. And they are telling the victim that there's nothing we can do because you got your car back. My mind is like just blown at how stupid some police officers are. Sande, I wanted to clarify something. Is this the callers that are seeing this or the 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 auxiliary staff when you go to the station and you report it that are seeing that because there are different categories. These are of... police officers. No, sir. Something That's right. not civilian officers or civilian uh-huh. staff. Police officers said they can't do anything about it. I told this to a lawyer yesterday and she almost fell out of her chair. She's like, what? Al Ray says, doesn't he get any props for not parking in the handicapped spot? No, he doesn't get any props for that. <laughs> Michael says, I handed a wallet in um, to ALTs, the customer service. The lady's question was, what do you want me to do with it? And shrugged her shoulders. <laughs> ay, 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 what a mess. And some people, that's why some people reach me, because they said in the past they've handed in wallets and whatever. And um, to like stores and then they don't know what has happened to it. So they don't really trust those people. So listen, I say this to people. If you find the wallet, I have no qualms of putting it up. I do not take possession of it because I don't want it. I don't want no mix up store with my name in it. So whenever y'all find stuff, some people are like, oh, can I bring you this dog that I just found? No, you cannot. <laughs> because heaven forbid I feed the dog and then y'all go, Sandy stole somebody's dog. So, um, and I don't want to be falling in love with no dog. So don't bring the dog to me. Um, You hang on to it. You keep it. And then I'm happy to post it. And normally when we find phones, money, whatever, people are looking for their stuff. And they, they come very quickly and say, oh, yeah, that's mine. 
So not like you can have to hold on to it for long. Matrix says, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that the thieves and the police are of the same nationality. I'm not going there with you, Matrix. I'm not going there with you this morning. Because you know my Jamaican friends going to be like, that took a Sandy. She don't like them Jamaicans. Facts are facts. They were both Jamaicans. The victims were Jamaicans. The thieves were Jamaicans. Alleged thieves were Jamaicans. And the police officers were Jamaicans. But, you know, statistically, 50% of our population is now Jamaicans. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Matrix, I'm not going on. I know limit you, kind of child. I'm just giving you the facts. Um. Yes, we got to talk about that. We'll get to that one tomorrow, Jasara. Police officers interfering with a witness in a murder trial is what the woman is understand. I was there listening to her part of yesterday. This is what she said, that a police officer came and threatened her about testifying. And a man's murder may have gone unsolved forever. Talking about they don't want to name the police he's been charged with interfering with whatever that charge is, justice or whatever. Can you imagine the audacity of a police officer? But listen, we are importing some real problems into this country. You know? When you bring in certain caliber of individuals, you better believe. That's why these little young people up in their feelings about, oh, Sandy put up about this guy who, um, some artist or whatever. What's the problem if he comes here? Who cares if he sings about gun violence? And who cares if, if he, you know, he's not the one pulling the trigger. It's the people what? in Guyana. Y'all miss the point. The mentality that we're allowing to seep into this country that we import all the time. And performers are not the biggest problem. The biggest importation of certain caliber of individuals is Caymanians who end up marrying them. Those marriages of convenience. Y'all marrying some real low Dirty people who have no standards. And then you're going to have children with them. And they're going to raise your children, which are Caymanian children, to have no standards just like them. To believe in stealing from people, living a criminal lifestyle. So I don't know who this dance hall artist, what's his name? Skank? Skank? I don't know is, who he is. Is or Skank? I don't, yo, you asking the wrong person. It don't matter. I don't know who Skillabank is and Skillaboo-boo and whatever. I've never seen this man in my life. But for me, it's not about that. It's about we're encouraging this dance hall mentality, which I hate to tell you all the truth, but most of it ain't no good. There's very little positivity that's associated with the dance hall genre. It is all about violence and, and degrading women. If y'all see some of the videos that I've seen coming out of Jamaica, these dance hall events, people having SEX straight up at a dance hall event with total strangers, their front, it, it's disgusting. I didn't know that this even happened. I didn't know. I was like, who goes to a concert? Not just gyrating, but literally on the ground having sex. And there's some dance hall um I forget what it's called, right? Some dance hall channel on TV and they show all of it. I only know because I saw it on my TV box and I was like, I had to message my people and say, why is this channel here? I think this channel needs to be moved under the porn section. 
because this is pornography. And of course, they don't really pay no attention to the Caribbean channel. So they didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, please move this channel under porn. Could these people got them boom, boom, all stretch open and somebody there recording it and they're having sex at a public dance hall venue. I was like, Jesus, this is disgusting. And then somebody else jump on top of her. I was like, what? Mm -mm. I don't got no love lost for this dance hall genre. Cause like I said, it, it nothing, nothing good, not really coming out of it. Now it might be your thing, and if it's your uh, thing, it's don't your forget thing. the radio. Um, people them Sunday, child, that unlock off long time. <laughs> okay, yeah. What what I, I wanted outro, but sorry. What what I wanted to say, um, as to, okay, I know as as Cayman, which consists of fifty percent Jamaican, um, that that's not a problem, but the culture that we exhibit or we adopt let me be very is very problem. clear. Yeah, because... no, Jared, Jamaica has some brilliant people, professional, hardworking individuals. They might not even be professionals. They're hardworking people, good moral compass. They try to do the right thing. And then there are Jamaicans, just like everywhere else, but because they got 3 million people, it's a lot of people mm -hmm. who, um, you know, come from a very different kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And everywhere they go, they take that with them. Came out to do it too. I will, I, will, I, will say, I will say what it is that you're afraid to say. We do not want the ghetto fabulous. Cayman is not ghetto fabulous. And we do not want those characteristics. Because well, I, I'm not afraid to say it because they're not really fabulous. They're just frigging ghetto. The, the, the thing is, I hope people know that the police is still having to search for drug that is coming from Jamaica. And those drugs come into this Caymanian community and it affects Caymanians. And when we have an artist, Skilly Bang, about Yalbusar thing and whatever, okay, it sounds good, but the type of, of um, level of naivety, arrogance that, that yes, we're boy, telling, we are talk about that you, tomorrow. you cannot go to mm -hmm. Walkers with that type of behavior. You cannot go to Kent Dart or Witch Dart with that type of behavior. I'm not saying there's no place for things, but Cayman, we do not want that. And work permit and the music board, need to be prepared to deny applications of people who just don't really exhibit the Caymanian ideals, the yeah. Caymanian story. It's like, you know, the equivalent of it, um, I'm glad Everton said this about rappers because you know there's a bit of a, a problem right now in the US with a lot of African-American rappers getting shot and killed. I mean, a lot. Just a couple of days ago, there was another one. And the week before that, there was another one. And so these artists are part of a lifestyle. It's not just the music and what they're singing about. They're also part of a lifestyle that to be quite frank and honest, encourages violence, it glorifies violence. It's all about that life, you know? Tell me which country music singer you see getting shot. Which pop singer you see being shot? M meanwhile, you got Megan the Stallion who was shot in her foot. You have, I mean, I've lost count of the number of rap artists, and I could probably just look it up, who've been gunned down just in this year. It, it hasn't started now. You can go way back. There's a whole list of it here on um, on Wikipedia. You got Tupac. Oh my God. What the? Okay. Since we're on the topic, and this is the point that I'm making. So for those of you who think that I have some sort of issue with the music, it's really not about the music. Oh, Lord, look at what I went and did now. 
I went and put it on the screen and I can never move it off of the screen. Oh, gosh, darn it. Ugh, me and my computer skills. Y'all hold on now. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to have to get Marlon to help me out here. I don't know. I have this little screen with my clock on it. And I swear, anytime something moves over there, I can never get it back. It's like an in-between. Oh, yeah, here it is. Is that it? No. Oh, my God. Anyway, let me open up another window because that'll stay there till Marlon gets home, child. I don't know how he's able to do it. He has like, he has some kind of special fingers, child. Because when he come home, he just grabs it and he's like, what's the problem? I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't know how he's able to do it and I can't do it. I have mouse skills. All right, have a look at this. This is the list of artists, rappers, who have been killed since 1987. So look at look at 2022. June the 11th, FBG Cash, don't know who he is. Trouble got gunned down June the 5th. May the 29th, Sidhu Moosewala. Okay. Archie Eversole, American rapper. Snooty Wild, American rapper. Draco the Ruler, American rapper. Young Dolph, American rapper. Enar, Swedish rapper. Where was he killed? In Sweden? Oh, wow. Stoke, Stockholm, Sweden? Oh, wow. This guy was in India. I didn't even pay attention to where he was from. Punjab, India? What a mess. But most of them are Americans, show. Y'all know that already because they love them a gun violence. MO3, American rapper. King Vaughn, American rapper. Huey, American rapper. Oh, we got one little Canadian in there called Houdini. Still a rapper. Uh, Pop Smoke, American rapper. Nipsey Hustle. Oh, I remember this one at Nipsey. This was kind of sad because Nipsey was pretty, he was pretty big. California got gunned down. So, oh, look, there's one in the Netherlands. What? Yes, sir. So, you know, when you try to say, oh, the lifestyle don't have nothing to do with it. The genre of music has nothing to do with it. Well, statistically speaking, I think it might have something to do with it, actually. It does. It absolutely does. And, and there's, we're not knocking artists. If, you, if you're coffee and you're singing good vibes, we want the positive message. But if you're singing about gun and weed and how you put... Scott Scott says the country boys are busy raiding the U.S. Capitol and doomsday prepping. <laughs> they, they were being... Yes, they were being arrested for other things, for being anti-Pride Month and all sorts of other foolishness. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But I'm just saying that there is a link to the lifestyle that you are in, right? And, and to be honest, this guy, whatever his name is, you know, he wasn't arrested for anything with guns in relation to that, but he was certainly arrested for other things. 27 rappers who died in two, 2022? And it's only June? Whoa. Oh, my God. Mm-mm. Here's a, one from five days ago, New York Post. Video shows the moment drill rapper is killed in New York City pharmacy. It, it's crazy. 
And, you know, when we look at, let, let me go there. Y'all ready? Don't be calling, don't be calling my Jamaican friends on me now, but we can talk about it. When we look at, for example, the, um, even the, the arrest record and who's, who's involved in a lot of gang violence in Jamaica, you know, who was at the top of the list? A lot of these so-called dance hall, self-proclaimed dance hall artists. They just arrested one the other day for a triple murder in Jamaica. I'm just saying. El Ray says, look like they were gunned down due to their stage names. Try and stop it. The state of Georgia just indicted at least 10 rappers for racketeering on the RICO Act. No bail. They cry and say that they don't like the jail food. <laughs> oh, my God. That can be the least of their worries. Premier Access should be on um, tonight. So I'll remind the premiere because uh, I know y'all looking forward to that. So yes, I'm ready. And so he should be ready too. And hopefully we'll get some more insight into the whole CUC thing. And the civil servants, by the way, they get a little pay raise and stuff like that. Um, That's what sale, my brother gangster, that sells, man, if you're singing positive music and rapping positive songs, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everton says it's the gangster, all that foolishness that sells. And um, yeah, there's a whole culture around it, right? Um, and it's sad because, I mean, listen, there are people who have rapped who have made a very, very successful career out of it, made millions of dollars, and they're not they're not in the violence of it. Take, for example, a um, what's the, what's the little white guy name again? Um, the rapper Eminem, there. Eminem, Eminem. Eminem, yeah. Eminem raps, and he raps with all kinds of stuff, and he's probably one of the most, you know, one of the best rappers in the world. But he also has gotten out of the ghetto. Okay. And he's not, um, you know, he, he isn't living and in, in associating with certain situations, if y'all know what I mean. So a lot of people, um, and trust me, Eminem got some serious, that, that dude is talented. But he's not really at that end of it. Oh my God, look at this. Look at this guy who, you know, these people are still, it's just so sad. Look at this guy gunned down in the pharmacy. Jeez, some peace. Can't even go to the pharmacy in peace. Look at that. Life cut short, just like that. Mm -mm. Shot dead in the Bronx. His poor uh, mother saying, my son is gone. Oh, that's the father, Roger. He is in another state and I can't do anything about it. So, you know, a big asshole in my heart. That was a quote from him. Wow. Oh, my God. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. So sad. And sometimes, you know, it's about them. Um also flaunting their wealth because some of them will have a hundred thousand dollar necklace on, on their neck. You know, they, they want to have all this gold and diamond studded teeth and, you know, somebody wants a free hundred thousand dollar necklace and everybody, including the dogs and the cats in America can get access to a weapon. It becomes really easy. Avante Frowner was in New York City for show when he was shot. How sad is that? Who is this? Money Gang Avante Frowner, Wolfpack, was a 27-year-old drill rapper from Los Angeles. Oh, is that him? 
with a gun in his hand. You see what I'm telling you when I talk about the lifestyle? Weed in one hand, a gun in the next. That's the American dream. Mm-mm-mm. You know, they, they live this gangster lifestyle. And with that comes potential death. Look at him showing a gang sign and all kind of foolishness. They said four men were trying to steal his gold chain. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. What a mess. Well, folks, sad because it's somebody's child. Um, but yeah, we're, we're importing a lot of that too. Um, by the way, I need to check and see. Um, speaking of ghetto people, um, we are monitoring the sentencing of Eve High Voltage. That's supposed to be happening this week. Um, I will just double check that it's still on because a lot of times things get moved around in the court. So I will reach out that is supposed to be, it was supposed to originally be June the 2nd, and then they moved it to the 17th, which would be this Friday. Um, so I'll just try to confirm with Miss Suzanne Livingston at the court's office what sentencing hearings are happening this week for Grand Court in particular. And we'll be there. We'll update you on what she'll get for the armed robbery that she was involved in. Um, Jared, anything else? Oh, Jared, you still there? Yes, that, that's it from me. That's it from me. Just wanted to highlight the National Youth Commission thing. Yeah. And... All right. Beautiful people. Jonathan, thank you for that. Um, check the lyrics from Skang's song called Protocol. You're going to force me to listen to that, El Ray? Are you serious? Um... Everton says, but they were all gangster through Jay-Z. Not all of these guys, they turned themselves around because I got money. That's what's up. Well, yeah. I mean, some people have elevated themselves. So like a Jay-Z, he finds him a Beyonce who helps to polish him up a little bit. Um, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg said, listen, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that interview with Snoop Dogg and um, Jada. But Snoop Dogg said that he walked away from that life. You know, he when Tupac was into the whole... East Coast versus West Coast and whatever. And Snoop Dogg issued a statement saying, I'm not about that. Um, you know, I love my West Coast brothers, although I'm East Coast or whatever it was. I think he was East Coast. But, you know, or he was West Coast and they were East Coast, whatever. And he said, yeah, I love them just like anybody else. Tupac was really pissed off at him. And he said, the funny thing is they had to take an airplane ride, private jet back to L.A. or wherever they were going. And that entire plane ride, they didn't talk to each other because Snoop was, um, what's his name? Tupac was upset with Snoop because he made this comment saying, why are we beefing with our people? Just because they're on another coast, like that don't make no sense. We're all musicians. We're all rappers. You know, we're in this business. We should be showing some love to each other. And Tupac didn't like that. Now, Tupac is one of the most intelligent people, like legit intelligent. Even from the age of 17, I've seen some of his early interviews he was a smart guy. But once you start going down a particular path, you got people shooting at you and you survive one shooting, you better understand that unless you make and you disassociate yourself with people, your life is going to be something different. And of course, um, what's the big guy's name that was running the show with Tupac and all them that end up in jail for years? 
you know, he was like, oh, we need to have a conversation when we get back to the, when we get back to LA, when we get back to the neighborhood, we need to have a conversation. And everybody's scared this dude because they're like, listen, he's had so many people killed that it's like, yo, you know, you don't mess with him. Big, not Biggie. No, 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 not Biggie. This is, um, oh God. This is the one that they actually say kill Tupac. Uh, Lord, what is his name? Y'all know who I'm talking about. He's been to jail. He did go to jail for some stuff. Um, he's a really big guy and he walks like, like he walks into a room. You're scared of him just because of his size. Oh, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Um, he's still around. Suge Knight. Thank you, Moya. Yes. Moya, she know her people. Suge Knight. Yes. El Ray got it too. So Suge Knight has been involved and, you know, he was their manager and whatever. And there's an interview with, um, with Tupac where he said, listen, I had to, in that moment, I understood on that plane ride that these guys will kill me. And, um, I need to get out. Mm -hmm. And so he, he started to disassociate himself with the whole group and to step back. And you know, what is so sad is that he actually said that I think that was the last time he spoke to Tupac before he was killed. But look at it. He's still alive. <laughs> Tupac is gone. Biggie's gone. Suge Knight has had a, a very lucky run. You know, but these guys, they're, they're operating differently. And so you live that lifestyle and it does come with certain risk for sure. Um, who, who's the lady that, that, um, that he always hangs out with. Um, oh God. She's the American, um, home. She does all the home stuff. What's her name again? She had her own show. And then her, the two of them had, they were making like weed brownies or something. I don't even know. So it's sad. How did I look up this? Um, uh, I look at this interview. I'm going to tell you who she was. Um, so Jada did an interview with um, on, let me see if I can find it. But it was it was really um, it was interesting because you know, it's, it, it, it was just like a totally different lifestyle. And unfortunately it sets you up for some serious repercussions in life, which include potentially being gunned down. Martha Stewart. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so Snoop actually did. Hold on a second. I'm going to see if I can find this. Y'all will find this interesting if you've not seen it before. Because he actually said that, you know, it killed him at the end of the day about uh, 
you know, having to essentially walk away from that life meant walking away from Tupac, who was his good friend. He was like, him and Tupac were like, I don't know if they were actually related. Hello, all. Like family, family. But they had the old a, famous table. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find an interview. Yeah, this is this is it. Everyone here. thinks rap legend. All right, so have have a look at this. Y'all gonna find this super interesting. So, um, oh, okay. Let me see if I can pull this out for you. So yeah, so um, Snoop has talked about this, and um. You know, this this is something that he has had to struggle with because, you know, there is such a thing as survivor's guilt. And it's where you you get out of the ghetto, but you feel so incredibly bad that you have been able to do that relatively unscathed. Like you're still alive, but all your best friends, Biggie, Tupac, all these guys have fallen by the wayside. Everton says Tupac's mother was a member of the Black Panther, notorious black gang, and she went to Cuba, spent a couple of years in Cuba. But you know what? I'm going to find that interview with, with Tupac when he was talking about the relationship with his mother, single woman. But she was a strong woman that instilled a lot of good principles in Tupac. But, you know, to hear him talk about her, I thought was so interesting how um, how she she was still a, a disciplinarian when she was there and present in his life. And, oh God, it was such a, such a wasted life. Like the, the, listen, Tupac had mad talent, but again, you can't go unscathed when you're in that hole. It's just, it doesn't end well. Anyway, I'm going to leave you guys with this interview. Um, listen to it. That's how we'll end the show today. But I found it very, very interesting about how Snoop Dogg has been able to go mainstream, like Susan said, yes, Martha Stewart, hanging out with people like Martha Stewart and whatever, and the mainstream now accepts him. The worst he does is smokes a little bit of weed. You know, he's not into this whole gang-banging thing. He's held on one woman, you know, his family, whatever, and he has just removed himself from that whole situation. So have a listen to this. You guys enjoy your day. Tune back in at 7 o'clock with Premier Access this evening. And I'll talk to you guys later on. Everyone thinks, thinks rap, rap legend Snoop Dogg is a great guy. But is it all an illusion? I was like, not Snoop. I was at the forefront of the most violent record label in the world. Snoop Dogg and Tupac lived under the control of rap's most violent kingpin, Suge Knight. Suge demanded loyalty. I had to step out of that situation. Shakur was shot four times in a car driven by Suge Knight. The type of relationship you only get that once in a lifetime. I have actual remorse. You were the only person connected up to Suge Knight. The last time I saw him, he was holding on to his last breath. I had got off the radio station with Angie Martinez. She asked me on the air, how do you feel about Puffy and Biggie? And I said what I felt. They're my homeboys. I love them. When I got back to the hotel, it was a whole nother atmosphere. So when we got on the plane to go back to LA the next day, Suge didn't let none of my security ride with me. I had to ride with him, his homies, and Pac. I'm like, what's up, Pac? And they do me like this. So I walked to the back of the plane, give me a blanket, grabbed me a knife and a fork, put the blanket over my nose right here, and ride like this the whole flight. Snoop was desperate to feel safe but he'd been trapped in a life of violence and fear for years. 
at 12 years old, you join a gang. If you're a young black guy growing up at that time, drugs and gangs were as much a part of your life as stoplights and street signs. Were you ever afraid? I was always scared. A lot of times I got shot at because I had a gun in my possession. It could have shot back, but I was too scared because I was so concerned with my life. It got to a point to where my mother kicked me out because she felt like I was bringing too much drama to her house. I had just turned 17. Jesus, and what do you do? It's not like you got somewhere to go. Where did you go? When Snoop met hip-hop CEO Suge Knight, he thought he'd finally found a way out. He was so honest, so real, so true, and so passionate about his artists, giving us direction, coaching us. And when Snoop bonded with rapper Tupac, it seemed like he'd found the family he always wanted. Fell in love with that Me and him started hanging out, building a brotherhood with him. We represent both sides of the gang, the calm one and the relentless one. So naturally, I spoke to Suge and was like, we need to get him with us because he will make us better. He gonna push me. We need his spirit here. But as Snoop and Tupac grew closer, there was one person who tried to warn them about Suge. When we first met, I was a drug dealer. Jade is my heart. She would be my friend for my whole life. As I was coming out of the life, he was going more into the life. I really felt like I was powerless. Suge was not someone to be toyed with. He ruled by fear and intimidation. There were stories of people being pistol whipped, being roughed up, people being slapped around. This is like some Godfather type stuff. With Suge and Tupac on his side, Snoop thought he was untouchable until the violence caught up with him. You got into hip hop like, okay, now I can leave some of this behind. And I came right with me. Snoop and his bodyguard, they were driving down the street in the Jeep and this guy was trying to say something to them. He had a gun and he was going for it. And my bodyguard reacted. Snoop's bodyguard shot and killed both Walter Mary. Now Snoop had to make a choice about the kind of person he really wanted to be. It was traumatic and didn't know what to do. I want to go turn myself in and let them know what happened. Snoop turns himself in for first-degree murder. Immediately, Chug gets him released on a million-dollar bond, 10 p.m. house arrest. My heart was beating every day. Me and Pac got into it because he wanted me to stay gangster. And I was like, cuz, I got a baby on the way. I have a lot to live for. Somebody's life was lost. This is a real situation. I don't feel like y'all feel. I have actual remorse. I feel bad. I don't want to let this gangster life no more. We, the jury in a public style action, find a defendant not guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. Tupac and Suge wanted him to stay loyal, but Snoop was desperate for peace. There was a lot of tension between East Coast and West Coast rappers. Pac was adamant about the beef that he had between Biggie and him. It was serious. There's no dream of making an album with Biggie and Puffy. And then in the middle of all that, you and I have this big interview. He said, so how do you feel about Puffy and Biggie? I said, I'm cool with him. I want to do some music with him. I want to work with him. Tupac took it as if I wasn't down with him no more. Death Row looked at me as like a traitor. You had sided with the enemy. Snoop had no idea that the tense plane ride home would be the last time he'd see Tupac alive. My didn't say nothing to me the whole ride. Man, that's a five-hour flight on a private plane. I get off the plane, I'm like, cuz, you going to Vegas? He do me like this. Where's Wayne? Wayne? He went my way. Next time I get a call, turn on the news, turn on the news, guys. You see yellow tape, Suge BMW. Tupac Shakur was shot four times in a drive-by shooting. He's in very critical condition and he's requiring intensive care. I drove down there to the hospital because I wanted to see my I'm thinking that he was going to make it. It's Pac. He'd been shot before. Fine. I see him in the bed, laid up, no words, no conversation. 
was whispering to him, telling him I loved him and to hold on and he was going to be okay. And I went to the bathroom, I fainted, I threw up, I was gone because me and my homie wasn't straight. I'm not even going to be able to apologize to him or even just to tell him, I feel you, I'm, I'm wrong. How can we fix this? Rap star Tupac Shakur died last night after a brief life in a rough business. He was 25. After losing Tupac, Snoop knew he had to break free of the violence, even if it put him in danger. I had to step out of that situation. Once you become a grown man and you realize that your words have power and you have power, then you have to pull back. And as Snoop took a stand against Suge, he had no idea that someone else from his past was watching. You and I have been around for a long time. Right. And along the way, I've had a bit of a complicated relationship with right. you during those very complicated times. You were the only person that came out and stood up to Suge Knight and spoke out. I've become the peacekeeper. The fact that you were like, I'm not having it. You don't even yeah, know right. what that did for me. And we started building bridges. By choosing love over fear, Snoop honored Tupac's legacy and built the belonging he'd always wanted. Pac was taught how to love at a very early age. And through his music, he shared the love with all of us. My life is not based off of me being a gangbanger. It's based off of me being positive, finding ways to help others. You start to educate. You start to teach the little homies on how to do better and not to do what you did. You coach a football team. You could coach. Football he really believes in giving them a sense of identity. The key to this thing is bringing people together. Project more of a positive energy over negativity. Always keeping peace and love at the forefront of everything. <laughs>